This podcast is brought to you by the people at patreon.com slash duckvtv. Subscribe to the Patreon and get access to the Slack channel, get your favorite episodes early, and get extra episodes of your favorite podcast. That's patreon.com slash duckvtv. What's a magneto? Child. <laughs> What's a magneto? My motorcycle. What's a magneto? What's a magneto? Does it hurt? What's a magneto? What's a magneto? My motorcycle. What's a magneto? What's a magneto? What's a magneto? What's a magneto? I'm Jeremy Greer. I'm Gary Butterfield. And this is Days of Future Cast, the show where we talk about the 90s X-Men animated series. Except we're not doing that this week, are we, Gary? No, it, it, we do lots of things. Every every <laughs> show just eventually becomes like a muddy soup of doing whatever we want. Um, <laughs> yeah, just a vague, vague X-Men uh, premise. Well, between us, uh, so we had the idea because uh, the X-Men animated series is interesting because it's adapting the comics and this franchise that we both really like to, uh, to between seasons do X-Men movies. Um, there are like eight of them. They vary wildly in quality. And, uh, <laughs> do they? <laughs> boy, boy, howdy. I, after watching, uh, so just to, to put it up there, what, so I was just going to say this and not refer to what it is. This episode, we are covering the uh, first X-Men movie, uh, the 2000, just unadjectived, unsuffixed X-Men. Um, watching this made me kind of in my head rank them. Like I think somebody on Twitter was like, rank rank the x-men movies and it was the first time i thought about them like the ones i'd seen in order you know like which one which ones are better and i was surprised to find on rewatching this this is like firmly in the middle yeah they i i remember this movie being a lot better than it is i think the first i think the first half is very very strong like i think we it does some some really good things of introducing you to like the team and also like at the same time for the people that already know who that team is, kind of giving them a little fan service. But man, the back half is really weak. The, uh, everything with the, the Statue of Liberty comes in as hot garbage. Um, <laughs> yeah, like absolutely dude. hot trash. And it's not just the famous parts that are hot trash. All the rest of it is hot trash too. But the, we're going to talk about the good stuff, the bad stuff, all the good things and the bad things, baby. Um, this, this is the first episode that we've recorded since uh, the show launched. Like proper. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so thanks everybody. Yeah, thank you, everybody, for supporting the Patreon at duckfeed.tv slash Patreon. This is a huge, that's huge thing for me. I'm, that's not a web address. What? Um, what, did you say, it, what did I say? Duckfeed.tv slash Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash duckfeed.tv. Oh, well, Cole will fix that in post. Don't worry. Yes. <laughs> we just send this to him to, to edit. Uh, Cole, I invented a website. You need to go ahead and knock that out for yeah, me. Yeah, make this through. Um, yeah, that's that's uh yeah. So so for everybody, all our patrons who uh, who made the show happen, and for a little while we were like, oh, it's gonna it's on the bubble, it might go away and stuff. Uh, I don't think that's gonna happen. So I think this is here as long as you're willing uh, to listen to it. So mm-hmm. and we'll we'll probably branch into as the show grows, we'll probably branch into all sorts of media. Like I, I like these movies and I like these TV shows. There's other X Men cartoons I want to cover. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think I think there's plenty of fodder for us to go through for a long long time. Totally. Um, there's uh so one I've never seen X Men Evolution. So I'm curious about it. Two, Jeremy, did you know that I own a Star Trek The Next Generation X-Men crossover novel? 
<laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm not supposed to because I mean, like, I'm not supposed to admit that I've been looking through your windows at night. But <laughs> okay, it is a uh, yeah, um, it's, it's front. There's center. a novel of that. I've seen the comic. I think they're both. It's called Planet X, my friend, and and like, uh, yeah, we that would be a, a pretty fun thing to do for the show at some point. Uh, I remember the only thing I remember in the comic is um uh oh shit people are gonna get real mad that I can't remember Star Trek names uh Spock just sure. basically like taking down Wolverine and with no effort whatsoever. This is, I'm so happy this is next generation because like you know original oh series, I haven't seen this then yeah, yeah original okay. series Star Trek is like kind of actiony and feels like you know kind of in line with the X Men and the next generation is my favorite Star Trek because it's so dorky and stiff and like stodgy and stuff and I'm just imagining you know these like angry discussions of ethics uh between picard and xavier <laughs> that just go on for <laughs> chapters and then at some point there's a wolverine versus war fight where they both admit that they the other one has honor and just like you you know ah, bob you're like the samurai from space you know <laughs> just like hmm. just Riker and wolverine just like straight up like pounding beers at the, at the replicator right it'd be fantastic <laughs> I, I i am i'm way into that and then Riker gets really drunk and Starts talking about Troy and and Wolverine starts ca- talking about Mariko, and then they go to the holodeck and recreate Mariko, and it's ethically dubious. Sure, why not? Um, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I'm, I I'm, sort of I, want those uh, Picard versus Xavier moments to be like the God Emperor of Doom, like just chapters <laughs> of expansive talking, <laughs> like, just like just one giant worm just imagining a bunch of shit in his head. <laughs> they're, they're just going to be them shooting beams at each other's foreheads, and it just being beams like <laughs> each other out. Like, and it's, and they're both, they're both played by the same guy, right? Like, yeah. like in your head, like you see two, uh, what's Patrick Stewart staring at each other. <laughs> yeah. There's no universe in which these are not both Patrick Stewart's. Um, so yeah. yeah, that, that would be the kind of thing we could cover on the show as it, as it goes on. Um, I think you could do a reasonable good job of casting every next generation character actor as an X-Men, right? Like, so like Picard, could, I mean, like Riker as, as. Or yeah. like, oh, not as from the movie, just as actual characters. So like Cyclops is Riker. Sure. Yeah. Um, Wolverine is Wolverine. Troy is Jean Grey. Yeah. 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 Like, uh, I think you can make like Riker Art- as the original mall rat, Jubilee. <laughs> <laughs> Wesley is Jubilee. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wesley is Shadowcat. Uh, uh, Data as... More. Uh, yeah, I sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, so X-Men. Uh, made in the year 2000, directed by Brian Singer. Screenplay by David Hayter and lots of people. Uh, so, so written by Tom DeSanto, Brian Singer. And this uh, movie kind of famously went through a lot of different drafts of writing. So yeah. the big trivia. Do you want to give us our plot description? Well, the, the big trivia thing real quick is that like Joss Whedon had a pass of it, but it's, yeah. it's kind of up in the air what stayed in. And according to him, there's just two lines that stayed in. We'll, we'll call those out when we get to them. Um, so he did a pass and almost all of his stuff got cut out. Uh, I think Joss Whedon would have been a, a good X-Men writer. I think this. if he had uh, made Astonishing X-Men, like that, that Astonishing X-Men comic number one, like if mm-hmm. you just make that into a movie, I think you're doing a pretty good job. Like as much as that exists only in comic form with the timing, like I think those ideas would be pretty awesome in a movie as well. Yep. I think that would be cool too. Um, Jeremy, uh, tell us a little bit about the plot. Sure. This is stolen from film underscore fan at IMDb, just to give full credit where credit is due, because I couldn't really find an official one anywhere. Fan mail. If, you're, if you're a film <laughs> yeah. underscore fan underscore fan, then send your <laughs> underscore fan mail. 
in a world where both mutants and humans fear each other, Marie, better known as Rogue, runs away from home and hitches a ride with another mutant, known as Logan, also known as Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> Charles Xavier, who owns a school no for young mutants, sends Storm and Cyclops to bring them back before it is too late. Magneto, who believes a war is approaching, has an evil plan in mind and needs Young Road to help him. They really so. gave up with that known as thing in the second half of that paragraph. Yeah, like, like Magneto, yeah. <laughs> like AKA Eric, yeah. AKA the, the the Crimson Magneto. Yeah, 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 the, the Crimson Force. Um, yeah, so so before, should we do this um, before we get into actually going through the movie? Do you want to talk about your history with it or like what you thought when you first saw it, all that jazz? Yeah, I think we should do that at the top. Like I remember, I remember seeing this movie and being just completely blown away that there was a good X-Men movie. Like seeing a trailer for this and, and like I remember specifically telling my friends like there's no way that movie is going to be as good as that trailer made it look. Like there there's just no way. Like this is the fucking X-Men. Like there's just no way this is going to not look like garbage. And for the year 2000, it actually was pretty awesome. Like going to the theater with my buds to see this and being kind of the one guy there that do a lot about X-Men. Like all of my friends were asking me like, so who is so-and-so and who is so-and-so and what does this mean? And what does that mean? Like they were doing that thing that people do nowadays with the, you know, the Marvel movies of like, who is that in the post credits trailer and all that stuff. Sure. So I, I remember being really, really into this movie, you know, and have watched it sporadically over the years. Like I watch superhero movies, like they're just kind of, you know, popcorn basically. So I've kind of been into it for a while. You, you've got to move to Portland at some point. Like I understand you have to give up your swamp roots, but like I, I would like to have a buddy who I can watch superhero movies with out here because I, I don't really have that. <laughs> Sometimes game group people will be into it, but they, uh, you know, not, not consistently. Yeah. Um, the, uh, yeah, I'm I, assuming like, you've already got your tickets for Doctor Strange, right? Like you got that arranged. I, you know, I, I haven't done, I haven't done that just yet. I'm going to go see it though. It looks cool, um, and I might end up going to see it by myself, which is not, you know, the mark of an absolute loser or anything. It doesn't mean I'm automatically going to turn into Robert De Niro from Cape Fear as soon as I show to a, go to a movie, you know, alone. But uh, it's just more fun to see that movies ship with done people. sailed. Yes, <laughs> it's just, it's just more fun to see movies with people. So like, yeah, I need I need to find a superhero buddy out here. Uh, all my comics buddies are are back home. Um, all my comics buddies are all people I went and saw this with uh, in the year 2000 as well. And it blew my goddamn mind. Um, I was yeah. so into it. Like, and I, I saw no, I didn't see any flaws in it when I saw it as, as a 20 year old, you know, um, I came out of this and told my friends and I, I have a very distinct memory of walking to the car in the parking lot and being like, I want a new one of these every month. Like, can you please just have this exact, like, a new story of the serialized X-Men thing pop out, you know, every single month? Um, <laughs> I, I mean, that would have been, like, if you'd put this, if Netflix had existed back then, right? Like, you mm -hmm. would want an X-Men show on, like, Netflix doing what they're doing with Daredevil and Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. Like, that's that's, a, that's where I would want to see that. Yeah, that's a, I would want that, but, like, maybe a little bit denser storytelling and, like, you know, a little bit higher budget. You know, because th those shows like are, are all good, but they also, you know, kind of slow down. They're really focused on street level stuff. And this is, has to be kind of a big spectacle kind of thing. Yeah, also, yeah true. Uh, but I, but I, I loved it. Like, absolutely, like, adored it. And then when the second one came out, which we'll get to eventually, like, I was just like, this is the greatest movie of all time. Like, I, <laughs> how, how are there, why, what do we do to deserve superhero movies this good? Um, and then, like, you know, it, it ebbed and flowed. And in general, like, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I, generally like superhero movies i think that like the batting average is pretty good for most marvel movies um mm -hmm. 
even though this is you know technically a fox movie and there's that dumb thing but um yeah i was blown away and a big part of what made this so cool is the casting of it uh which i think is almost note perfect um, yes it, with with some exceptions that we've called out in the in this in this show before like just talking about Halle Berry's storm i just don't think she has she she can really carry that we we covered that back in episode 3 i think yeah 2 or 3 whatever yeah. um yeah. but yeah. cyclops wolverine uh, Xavier, Jean Grey, like everybody in here is just awesome. At Magneto, like everybody yeah. is perfect. This is the definitive Magneto. Like this is the the greatest Magneto that will ever be. Like it's it's really really good. Um, and it's so awesome that like they you know the they always wanted Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart was the only choice for uh, for Xavier. And uh, then they they brought on Magneto. Magneto didn't want to do it. You know, is is my understanding. So like they are uh, Ian McKellen. I was about to say. Oh yeah, yeah. this is a documentary, Jeremy. Yeah, oh, okay. this dark time in his life when he was obsessed with statues and and energy fields and yeah. uh, uh, being a, a fucking idiot. Which, like, as much as his performance is wonderful, his plotting and planning and stuff, and this is pretty bad. Yeah, um, but it, the the casting is really really good, um, and they are like the definitive versions of them for me. This was the first thing I've I had seen Hugh Jackman in, and like he really he's really good for it like he's he i think he actually works really 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 well for this um and was watching it again yesterday i got and i felt this way when i watched it because i've watched it twice since we started talking about doing the show and um i i I feel like he's kind of cheesy now but like 20 year old jeremy was all about that shit like the weird growls in the middle of fights and like the kind of like badassery there's a couple of one-liners that he has that i think are just so hilarious now that I think I was all the fuck into yeah. in the year 2000. So. I mean, it is, you yeah. know, it is kind of a kid's movie. It is before, you know, your Avengers and your Guardians of the Galaxy where, like, superhero movies are for everyone. You know, it, it, I, before I this, like, yeah. the most popular Marvel movie was what, Blade, you think? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was Blade kind of started, you know, there being, Mar- I mean, before that there were Marvel movies in the 80s and stuff, but it kind of started this this weird proto, you know, wave 1.5 of uh, superhero movies and it like wasn't for kids it was for like casual sci-fi fans and some of the downfalls of the movie have to do with them you know just kind of trying to make it like a big blockbuster and not indulging in stuff from the comics um but it also was not aimed at literally everyone it wasn't the most popular genre of movie like it is now where like if you you know you make like guardians of the galaxy or something like that um it's everyone is expected to see it so there is a little bit of cheese a little bit of like you know slow sloppy exposition that has to happen uh just to get everyone on board uh for it the well, uh, let's let's get into it yeah absolutely um so this like every uh every marvel movie essentially uh starts with dna wipes um <laughs> yeah, I, I love i love the as and as well as xavier is like you know in the future you know we're yeah. going to and i i like this stuff but like it's such a like a lawnmower man kind of thing when you look at it like <laughs> 16 years later you're like oh okay i know what you were going for back then but just, it just you can't help but like i don't know man like ps1 games look bad super nintendo games still look pretty fucking good you know what i'm saying yeah exactly like it's it's pretty cheesy it's also um like it is ubiquitous so every x-men movie begins with this kind of explaining mutation um all the spider-man movies begin with this too <laughs> Like a lot of times, yeah, sure. like shows, shows all his DNA getting is essentially any character that has DNA. Like if you watch that Bridget Jones's baby movie, 
Like, <laughs> like the camera goes and zooms into her stomach. It right goes into her baby, uterus. And then goes into the baby's DNA and it shows like all the electrons like crackling. And <laughs> and then it forms Pierce Brosnan's face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pregnancy. Every month. So, you know. Every few thousand millennia, Bridget gets pregnant. <laughs> oh my god! Um, and, and every time, it is a red tide by which the the world will never recover. Um, but yeah, so the uh, Professor Xavier says that line, um, which you know, I, I don't know. Evolution takes a leap forward. Okay. okay. Um, yeah, I mean, like it, it is. It's it's it, the tone is perfect for what it needs to do. Like we're trying to set a stage here of like shit is changing. Like anything could be yeah. happening right now. So. I actually like how many intros this movie has. It's kind of set like it's a little bit sloppy, you know, but it actually it actually kind of works, I think. Um, so because we get that and then we get the first the first intro of several, which is uh, the Holocaust going on. Um, we've talked before about how Magneto is definitely uh, from World War Two, even though the cartoon doesn't acknowledge us. The movie will. Um, he's getting separated from his parents. Here and uh, starts freaking out and uses his uh, his magnetic powers to uh try to get closer to them by grabbing out of this fence and, and stuff and and there's a weird like this is really beautifully shot it's really rainy and muddy and like super grim you know uh kind of thing it's the soldiers don't react like this is weird at all until after it's over <laughs> yeah then they start looking around going what the fuck like up yeah. to that they're like we got to hold on to this kid this is fine <laughs> yeah like yeah, just you know oh all that matters is we pull this kid away but nobody like shouts or like nobody's like freaking out it no, makes this... me think that the Nazis thought that the fence was grabbing Magneto. Oh, <laughs> it is, it like, no, we got to protect the Jew. Charming fence. The good charming fence is stopping the Jew from getting away. Um, <laughs> so that's that's intro one. You know, a little kid gets hit in the head with a rifle. Intro two. Yeah, uh, we meet Rogue, um, and this gives us our like intro. You know, our, our this movie cinematic take on Rogue's origin of like kissing Cody. Sure, which is which is fine. Like I don't, I was very glad um, rewatching this that they probably didn't go. Or excuse me, that they didn't go with the comics version of Rogue of being like an adult and having kind of mind raped Carol Danvers and having like sure. huge balloon breasts. Like this is a pretty low key take on Rogue that I think works really well. Like we'll get to it later, but like her eventually getting her stripe and all that stuff. Like mm-hmm. I think most of the Rogue stuff in this movie works for it, me, yeah, to a degree. It, it's not faithful to the <clears throat> comics, but it's better. You know, and yeah, that's something that exactly. like I, I think I talked about this when we talked about the the Juggernaut in an earlier episode, where like slavishness to the comics, like you want to get the spirit of it, and you don't want to dumb things down, but you also uh, there are changes for cinematic universes and stuff that can be better. And this is just so much less complicated. Like, imagine if the intro to this was like her with the Brotherhood of Evil mutants, like touching Carol Danvers. Yeah, you know, like, you'd have to explain what Carol Danvers is. Exactly, or what the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants were, or what an Avenger is, and what, like, yeah. Carol Danvers goes to space and shit. Like, the, uh, this is this is significantly better. Um, and it's actually, it's, like, played for kind of for horror, because, it, you know, one of the big themes of this is that, like, mutant powers are not just a gift, it's a curse. And this is a great, you know, kind of articulation of it. They they went really heavy with the, the rogue side of that, as opposed to the Cyclops side of it which is a kind of a traditional point of view character, you know, for that. Um, I like them presented as two, like Cyclops is kind of adjusted. Rogue is not. And they're going to be both shown, you know, with both kind of like not equally devastating, but, you know, both very devastating kind of curses 
uh, with them. And I did, um, in doing some research on the movie, apparently they did uh, write the scene of, you know, Cyclops in high school and who gets his powers and blows the roof off or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, but didn't end up filming it until much later, until X-Men Apocalypse comes along. So yeah. It's, it's kind of interesting that, like, that that storytelling method was, will work with X-Men just about every single time, just, you know, showing how that they get their powers and showing that it's kind of a big deal and that it's not always, like... You know, in the very first episode, you and I talked of, like, getting mutant powers like it was, like, winning the lottery. And it's definitely not that way. In the yeah. And they also shot one of those or uh, wrote one of those for Jean Grey as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, skip those. And it's kind of interesting the way this game, this movie has a couple of different point of view characters. Um, but then there are the established three X-Men, you know, who just kind of show up and are, are just fine and stuff, too. It, it's it's pretty well done, I think. Yeah. Um Moving so Rogue on. is Rogue is Rogue is talking about like the trips that she wants to make. Her boyfriend puts the moves on her. She kisses him, and then he starts going into like he know, gets he um, gets like the the death veins, like the the rogue. Yeah, he gets the death veins. Visually <laughs> represent a power that doesn't have a visual element. Um, <laughs> how, how do we do it? And and it's just uh, you know she's just screaming and like I didn't do anything and stuff. It, it like she sells it pretty well. She's a good actress. Yeah. Um, Anna Panquin is her name, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so also then, known as Suki. 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 What is, what is that from? <laughs> I don't know. You, you've never watched True Blood? The, uh... Oh, no. No. <laughs> oh, man. Jeremy. See, this is, this is, it's a weird way to watch for me because I'm used to seeing Anna Pequin, if that's how you say her last name, in True Blood, where she's basically like a little nympho fairy vampire chick. And so, like, going back to teenage Suki, like, and her boyfriend in True Blood says her name just like that. He just, like, leans into the mic and goes, Suki. Like, it's very good. Very funny. Hmm. Let's well, do a True Blood it, podcast. Let's get rid of the sex men stuff. Geez. Isn't isn't it like I, my understanding is that starts out as sexy vampires and then eventually becomes like sexy pixies and sexy like entirely sexy world of darkness. Sexy werewolves. Here's a here's a here's a phrase that True Blood taught me. Were Panther. Oh no. Yeah, yeah. Come with me on that journey. Anyway. After uh, after Rogue kind of disables her her would be boyfriend, we cut to like this scene where Jean Grey is giving a speech in front of Congress of about mutants and about mutant rights. She's rudely interrupted by a familiar face from the cartoons, Senator mm-hmm. Kelly, who is very anti mutants at this point. And um, this whole scene is is really weird to me because they definitely show like like congress <laughs> but yeah. then this is like a this is like a like an open forum like back in the days of rome the roman empire <laughs> where there's just an audience that can like cheer like dude like none of this stuff actually exists <clears throat> yeah i think that happens in every time there's an x-men congress scene because it happens in the cartoon too yeah like, there's just some randos filling out the crowd um <laughs> can we get, yeah. get enough congress guys in here they're on vacation <laughs> but, but speaking of of casting and stuff um i forgot how good the guy who plays senator kelly is um, I don't know if you remember this from when this movie came out, but there were websites that were like, it was like no on proposition, something, something. And they were like Senator Kelly campaign websites that were like the viral oh, marketing yeah. for this. Like they did um, a whole alternate reality thing, didn't they? Yeah, I forgot they, about that. Yeah, like they had buttons, like campaign buttons and stuff about this issue. And this actor is really great. Like, I think he does a really good job of, uh, you know, of selling it. Um, I haven't seen this guy in a lot of other stuff. This like character actor, but he does a really good job. You know, she gives the speech. It's kind of contentious. People, the crowd is clearly on Kelly's side, and uh, before it is even is over, uh, over a man uh, the room, and it turns out to be Magneto, uh, and Xavier finds him. And this is this is one of the best. Like, you know, this is what sold me on these two actors is this thing. Like, there's a delivery in the scene that will, you know, has stuck with me for no good reason since you know I first saw it. Where like when Magneto's walking away, and he's like, "We have the future, Charles." Not them. You know, there's like this, like him kind of just chiding him, you know, insistent, like, Mm-mm. 
you know, kind of tone to it that I think is really, really like a nice little bit of acting. It's like a finger wag to somebody's entire moral structure. Yeah, like, nope, yeah. nope, it's not gonna be them, it's gonna be us. Yeah. yeah. There's some, I'm gonna call them out too, that there's some line deliveries in this that are weirdly specific. Like, it's almost, they feel very coached to get a certain reaction, and I'm not sure what they're going There's like, there's one that Rogue delivers later that I just, I was listening to last night and I rewound it several times going, like, what? Why, why does she say it like this? Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. So, Gene, so Gene, um, Xavier and Magneto uh, kind of have this conversation about, like, you know, basically what we've seen from the cartoon and what we've seen from the comic books. Magneto definitely thinks mutants are the future. Xavier's like, we got to work with the humans, and then they split. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is uh, this is where they met and formed like the world's like best bromance. <laughs> like these these guys are the cutest people in the world. They like the internet loves them, and they should. They are the cutest couple that's ever been. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I love them so much. It's going to be like when one of them is going to die, it's going to be sad because they're dead, but it's going to be sadder because the other one's going to have to deal with it. Like I'm sad because Ian McKellen will die, but I'm sadder for that day for Patrick Stewart. Because he's going to have to like really have some grief. Like this is going to be really bad for him. It's going to, it's going to suck. Um, But I, but I love them. I love this little, little scene. They both are, you know, killing it, killing it. Like uh, as performances of these characters, I think. Um, cut to so this is like our fourth cut like we're we are so like in that's still kind of introducing characters in the beginning of the movie like this movie had a, had a huge task to kind of like introduce this concept introduce these uh these characters in this this, this world and did a really good job of it i think mm-hmm. um so cut to northern canada a rogue has taken off um she's run away and uh she walks into another character's introduction the wolverine uh, and in a fighting pit yeah <laughs> uh, this whole setup is like it's it's very cliche from the comics where like wolverine is you know wandering around in the you know abandoned towns of canada in in some sort of weird fight club situation and i it just cracks me up every time like i'm sure there's illegal fighting pits around and i just don't know about them but like well we can't talk about them (laughs) yeah of course yeah i just it just weirds me out and i love it when like the big dude comes in and he's gonna take down wolverine and they do the um he beats on him a little bit, and then every time, and it's the only time in the movie that it happens, Wolverine starts punching this dude, and you get, like, really solid metallic thonks. Like, dong, dong, dong well, noises. Well, you have to, like, as the director or the writer, you have to be like, how do I show that this guy's skeleton is made of metal without somebody saying it, you know? Um, and it, it does, this doesn't quite do it, but it is hard to show. Some things are easier told. Like, it would be easier to do in a comic than, than the movie. Um, this also has the really, like, uh, well, we're going to talk about humor in this movie because it's it's wildly uneven, and like this is the first little bit of explicit humor where like the guy's like, "Don't hit him in the balls; he'll take it personal." And it's like, <laughs> that's like what, what? And that turns out that's it's like a Chekhov's ball situation. Like there's a pair of balls. Yeah, we're not going to see there. that for another hour and a half, <laughs> but we will see it. That sucks. Like, why does this have to become a personality? Like, on the back of the cinematic Wolverine trading card, it's like dislikes getting kicked in the balls. <laughs> Yeah, could that just be assumed? Like, yeah, you know I, don't, I don't dig it. Um, ain't my favorite thing, CBT. Um, so anyway, so they they get into this fight. Uh, he leaves. Um, they're uh, they're at the bar. Rogue is thinking about stealing from charity. Uh, <laughs> and they're watching. Well, not charity, but like stealing the tip jar, which is oh yeah, shitty. yeah. I just assumed yeah. that was for like I don't know, like Alaska Orbit <laughs> program in this like weird two building <laughs> town. That they're in. Like, <laughs> Won't someone please think of the Canadian children? Yeah, can, can we can we get money so people can move from the smaller house to the bigger house in this town? 
but. And I didn't I didn't call about like, specifically the notes, but like during the background of this, we'd get like this news feed that's um, setting up kind of, oh, hey, there's going to be some world leaders all con- congregating in New York City and they're going to talk about all kinds of world problems, including the mutant problem. Oh, and shit. then Rogan and, and Wolverine just kind of like share this very significant look. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the world leader summit is one of the stupidest that like leads to the dumb end plot, like macro plot of this movie. Um, you know, Magneto's stupid scheme that uh that comes through this this uh but when the guy comes up and he's like you know you have our money and like again this is i might be just me reliving my my 20 year old of just this totally working for me how like uh hugh jackman characterizes wolverine is just kind of like you know you don't want this you know at first and then but just not going to take any shit you know so, so he, I think the the line here is really good, right? Like, like you know, I you took my money, and like if you want to, you know, you can walk away with just losing your money, or you can keep messing with me and lose more. Like, yeah, you're he's gonna kind lose of a more badass. You know? Like, he pulls yeah. it off very well. He's real quiet, you know. And then the claws pops, which was like the thing that you know the fans like we all wanted to see at this point. Um, and the, but the the bartender isn't having this, and I love this little characterization beat too. Is that like Wolverine could have just walked at that point, but he needs to show that he didn't need to. You know, so yeah. he, like he lashes out and he's like, listen, you are out of your fucking depth here. Like, <laughs> I will. I'm not going to kill everyone in this bar because I don't want to, not because you have forced me not to. Yeah, um, it's not important enough for me to be right. I also have to be right with my claws. Yes, ex- exactly. Right with my claws and right with my God. And they, they get, you know, so uh, she goes along. She uh, jumps in the back of his truck. He leaves. She finds he finds him because he's got super senses. And eventually invites her up, and like they're kind of doing this, uh, you know, Wolverine. Will they? Won't they? Dynamic. <laughs> this what? I said, will they? Won't they? Like, is he going to take her? Is he not going to take her? <laughs> yeah. And there's a, there's a thing here too. This is a uh, where like he, you know, she looks at his knuckles and she's like, when they come out, does it hurt? Every time. And when I was uh, younger, I did a comic. I used to have a comic zine. And I did a comic of the scene because it was not too long after this came out where she's like, does it hurt? And he goes every time here. And he grabs her hand, puts it next to his hand and then pops his claws. <laughs> so she <laughs> can kind of like, feel it. It feels like that, you know, <laughs> it's like no shit. <laughs> but, uh, you know. Oh, that's good. Like ambassador. Yeah, I, that, that's one of the that's one of the line deliveries I was talking about. Of like, you know, does it hurt? And he's like, every time. And I'm, that's like, just, it's it's such a, and it's a characterization thing for Wolverine. Like, we want to see, like, they want we want to see him as this badass that's also got a heart of gold that can will protect these young girls and also kind of be sensitive at the same time. But yeah, man, that 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 every time just it just slays me. I start cracking up every time <laughs> I hear it. It's it's definitely too much. You know, like I can imagine a panel of him like with his hat down. You can't see his eyes, and I'm just going every time it's in kind of small text you know but i wouldn't i wouldn't read it like that in my head um and this next uh so wolverine keeps a bunch of uh first of all glove compartment beef jerky which, sure which yeah love, that's healthy his, his, his glo- glove jerky that he's got and then uh i want to get a gif of just like rogue just wolfing down beef jerky just <laughs> like what happens in this movie like, <laughs> um and then the stupid car crash scene how how dumb is this like deus ex like like what movie is this from? Like, shouldn't you put on your seatbelt? Well, I don't need my whoa. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> what good timing, log? <laughs> you think you think Sabretooth had like a microphone implanted in there? So 
<laughs> well, he probably, was like, he's oh, a tech he's, expert. Like we've established, right? yeah, he's like he's probably bombs and technology. So bombs and technology, exactly. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So they hit a log and they they fly out. And this is pretty great too. I love uh when Wolverine flies out and he like hits the ground and just slides for a long time. Like that's a really cool looking. Like I don't know. I just thought that was cool looking. Uh, they have that. a lot of fun with um kind of fucking Wolverine up in this movie because they absolutely know that he can just heal himself back. So why not like have him get stabbed a couple of times? Like why not like fuck his face up? Because you, you can. Like who cares? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the only one who who can fuck up like that. Yeah. Um, so he wakes up and heals, and Rogue is like watching that. Meanwhile, there's a fire in the back because like I guess Wolverine just has some propane back there. <laughs> what is that safe. propane doing there? But I know it. Like first of all, like do you need to keep warm? Like, honest question. I feel like you don't. Um, no. You know, and then just, is that the safest possible way to do that? Like, No, he's got a trailer. You should store your propane safely in the trailer. That's just common, that's common knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> well, he did lose his memories. True. Yeah, he maybe he's forgotten all of his uh, driver's ed training. Lost all of his so. safety. Yeah. Safety uh, so there's a fire, and then uh, Wolverine runs over because... Of course, Rogue is stuck by the seatbelt that she yep. was making fun of Wolverine for not wearing. <laughs> this is a powerfully uh, anti-seatbelt message <laughs> in the scene. Yeah. I, I didn't think about that, but they do kill more people than they save. I, I, I think the movie's right. The uh, Wolverine goes up to the tree and like immediately smells Sabretooth. And we've had a lot of conversations about how Sabretooth must smell. And oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just permeating everywhere. Like, I'm surprised. It's, it's got to be like when you drive over a skunk. Like on your oh, car, and yeah. you have to roll up the windows and turn off the air conditioning. Like that's must be what it's like to be in a two mile radius of Sabretooth. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I actually like how Sabretooth works in this movie, where he's not. They don't give him any lines. Like instead of playing him as kind of a smart ass, like they do in in the Wolverine, they just have him as kind of bestial, you know, and just uh, chose an actor like a for how physically imposing they were. But uh, and, they, I, and they poor guy, they blinded him with those contacts. He was he literally lost sight for a day because for of those day, contacts. Yeah, yeah. everyone Sucks. had terrible contacts in this. Uh, there's there's a great thing with a uh, Mystique, which we'll talk about later. Like a, an awesome little bit of trivia that happened because of her makeup and stuff. That is an <laughs> like detail of the of the IMDb for me. Um, so they get in this fight. It's important to note that like at this point, Wolverine and Saber don't seem to have any kind of implied backstory. Like he's just attacking him. Mm-hmm. Uh, there and they, they get in this fight it's a pretty good fight um here uh but however the x-men show up uh here the, the actual real you know the two you know x storm and cyclops show up um here just kind of standing in these like these outfits like the black leather outfits that they wear um were made specifically you know to not be as colorful as the superhero costumes you know that mm-hmm. they had uh now and i don't know if it's modern design sensibilities or anything like that but they stand out a lot right now for me like they look like weird fetish gear to me. <laughs> they look like weird fetish gear. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Like with the weird lines on them and everything, and it's All just the piping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's very odd. And at the time, I thought it was like kind of cool. Like that was the style. Like yeah, like that was like the Matrix, right? Like the Matrix kind of started that. The uh, yeah. So I I just remember uh, thinking it looked cool as well, and uh, it doesn't. However, and the this movie, <laughs> the biggest problem this movie has is with action. Like, the way the power is articulated is fine, but the idea that these guys, like, we see montages of these characters being trained and stuff and doing really cool stuff. Um, similar to the early comics things, they just forget that they have powers, forget how to use them. They don't know how to fight. Like, these guys just kind of stand here and then just use their powers in a line. You know, there's no tactics. There's no, like, let's try to flank him. Let's try to surprise him. Let's not announce ourselves before we hit him with a, you know, uh, a storm. 
you know, hit him with a lightning bolt. Like Storm doesn't start char- charging up her lightning bolt in advance. It's really like the way they fight, specifically Storm and Cyclops. Uh, I guess Jean Grey too. Like everybody, all the mainline X Men fight like shit. Yeah, um, and that's like the big advantage that the Brotherhood have. I wonder if that's um, very specific. Like, I wonder if they would do that just to try to show this as like the X Men's first outing or whatever. But they've already got the jet. Like, <laughs> they've already got Cerebro. Like, it very, <laughs> it very much seems like they've been doing this for a while. So I, I can't imagine it. Like, I, I, yeah. But yeah, Storm just like literally just creates like some snow flurries at Sabretooth, and he gets like blown away. And that seems to be how she uses her powers all the time. She, she's so awful in this movie. It, it reminds me of the way that they, they with having the jet and stuff, it's like when you run into podcasters who have like this $5,000 mixing rig, but like nobody listens to them. You know, like they just started out and they're like, <laughs> we're going to need, you know, need all, all this stuff. Or you run into like a, like a weird uncle band and they've got wireless mics and like really, really nice instruments and stuff like that. And like really, really great live performance equipment. But they're playing like their nephew's graduation party. Yeah, you know, yeah. They've definitely painted um, the car before they fixed the engine. Exactly, one hundred percent. Um, so the, you know they're they're real real silly at this point, and we're, we're going to talk about them being silly, especially in the Statue of Liberty, because um, there's really like there's three action scenes in this movie. Um, so it, it comes up a lot in this, the third one. Um, we go to Magneto's lair, uh, where Magneto's wearing his movie outfit. Um, I love, it, I love, I love this mag like this. <laughs> This like glossy, shimmery velvet. I don't know what the hell it's made out of, but it's so ridiculous. It's like he's so committed to the word magne- mag- magneta. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, dude, that's the color has nothing to do with the magnetic field. <laughs> it's just yeah, it's just magenta. He's just he's dyslexic. Magenta. I can't say yeah. magneta. Yeah, sorry. <clears throat> um, he uh, it looks like he looks like an ambassador on Star Trek: The Next Generation. Like every once in a while, a high-ranking Starfleet person will come on uh, on that show, and it's like, "What are you wearing?" <laughs> like people in the future do this? not wear that when they're just hanging out. I swear. We're gonna uh, we're gonna have to like when we do these movies, we're definitely gonna have to have like a fashion segment because I could probably do about fifteen minutes on a on an outfit that Storm wears towards the end of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah. But yeah, so we see like uh, Magneto in his natural habitat, and he's got like like he's just just so gratuitous with the use of his powers right like he's just and i guess it's supposed to be very impressive like that he can make the balls click back and forth but Mm -hmm. like i thought what was impressive about those balls was that they were perfectly balanced and that they were you know it was physics doing that if you're just literally doing that with your hand it's not near as impressive it it, yeah (laughs) it's not really the same device is it like yeah like a drinking bird is no fun if you're just literally pushing on the top of the bird every time (laughs) like you're just dunking a piece of plastic in a coffee cup every two seconds yeah um yeah i mean it's i it's just kind of a visual trick thing i like it when he does it with doors and stuff like he walks absolutely door and stuff like that like that's you know uh that seemed that reads true to me um Mm -hmm. the important thing there's some cool scenes with the prison cell later that i really like when he does too yeah Yeah. oh i love all that stuff the the important part here is just saber saying he failed and the reason why is that uh they had help um and uh, this is part of the weird kind of misdirect the movie does that's not entirely uh you know successful is that you they want you to think magneto is trying to get wolverine uh and then you know magneto's like charles uh and then (laughs) we go we switch back to uh to xavier um or we switch back to wolverine we switch back to the x-mansion yeah, so here's where we see uh, Dr. Jean Grey, who we saw earlier addressing Congress, now actually doing some doctor shit and uh, kind of, in, you know, basically examining Wolverine, who has no wounds. 
he wakes up very quickly and um kind of like grabs her by a neck lock throws her down and then just jets yeah and, um this was originally in an earlier draft of the script uh beast was in the uh the team and he would have been this because uh astute comics readers will know that gene gray is not a doctor uh and gene gray is not particularly uh well suited early on to talk to congress uh, these would have been things that beast would have done but they kind of merged those roles when they simplified the movie you couldn't afford you can't afford kelsey Grammer and hugh jackman and you can't afford all those guys at the same time all those toss salads and all those scrambled eggs um <laughs> Yeah, so th- here's this extended scene of Wolverine like running through the lower levels of the X Mansion, and he stumbles across um, like a, a really cool, not cool, but a, like a really weird display of all of the X outfits, which makes me think that all of the X Men like change together <laughs> in, maybe, a <laughs> yeah, like, in a hallway. Yeah, in a hallway, like not in a locker room. room. <laughs> like, I really want to be there once they change their clothes oh, and put too, all of their like civilian too. clothes oh, on my the God, mannequins. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Um, but then Wolverine gra- grabs like because he's topless and Wolverine can't do anything when he has doesn't have a shirt on apparently. So he grabs like an X, you know, like they just have some hoodies hanging around and some sweatshirts. <laughs> the brand of the gift shop, yeah, because um, because Xavier has too much money. You know, um, you know what they're um, the way they display clothes and stuff is like how if you have extra outfits of armor in Skyrim, like you get those mannequins <laughs> and you can just put that on and you just change in and off uh of it sure uh, you know uh, this always reminds me of batman like i always think it's really creepy that batman um like makes these suit of armor things not so that he can get into them quickly but just so that he can look at them like they, like he is them you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying like I, it's just a really weird superhero like fetish to see your outfit over the wall and be like i am not the bat or i am not cyclops or wh- whoever the fuck it is right right anyway. right well, uh, so Xavier like is screwing with Wolverine's mind, leads him through the school, or leads him to the top of the school, which is actually just a school with some kids running around. And then, I guess I don't really get this. This there's a scene here where like the door opens, like you can hear a click, and then Wolverine runs over and opens the door real fast. But like there's nobody at the door to open it, so I don't. Sure, yeah, I don't like whatever. On there. Wolverine comes in, and it's just Xavier teaching a room full of mutants, um, like some physics stuff, and we get a pretty quick cameo of kitty pride which at the time like i remember grabbing the dude sitting next to me i was like that's kitty pride yeah that's kitty pride. <laughs> <laughs> um it, it is david's really taking a gamble that wolverine wasn't just going to slice it off a bunch of kids heads here. seriously like yeah. he's just kind of like i'm confident that he'll calm down once he sees a classroom why <laughs> <laughs> um and Wolverine should actually be asking, like, why did you think that I wouldn't murder everybody? Like, what do you know about me? But doesn't seem to bother. That doesn't seem to bother him. Mm. Yeah. Um, so the rest of the uh, the X-Men uh, kind of come in. Um, Cyclops, like, tries to shake his hand. It sets up this animosity. Uh, they, don't, they don't like each other uh, for some reason. And one of the things I love is, like, Xavier starts just, you know, exposition like crazy, like, you were attacked by a man named Sabretooth. He was controlled by Magneto, a very powerful mutant. Like he's, you know, he's just kind of going through. And Wolverine ain't having. It. He's just like, "What's a Magneto?" Which I love that line. So yeah, much. "What's a Magneto?" is maybe the best, the best one-liner in this movie because it's just a stupid name. Like, uh, I do you ever run into people who still call it, who call him Magneto? <laughs> like, I don't like. I don't know why that sounds no, stupider, but they both sound stupid. But Magneto. Could be what it was, you know, sounds more like a stage magician from the 20s, which is like, you know, just taking your power and putting O at the end is what, what it sounds like. What, like, what universe is Magneto as cool as he is with a name like Magneto? 
So, which one sounds cooler, Gary? Gravelord Nito or Gravelord Neto? <laughs> Gravelord Neko wafers. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, Xavier just expositions all over the place, and um, you get this great line that uh, of Wolverine being like, what do they call you, Xavier? Wheels? Or whatever. And, like, that's yeah. just fucking great. Um, it's supposed to be cue ball uh, in the straight, but uh, uh, Hugh Jackman improvised wheels. There's a little bit of ableist. Oh, I had re- I had read that it's Baldy. So oh, yeah. Baldy, yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. Yeah, but they, uh, I mean, what, what do they call you, Baldy? It would be like way worse than than Q Ball or Wheels. Like, yes, my code name is Baldy. Yes, um, yes, my mutant power is to not have air yes. anywhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, um, yeah. So so the uh, and then we get again exposition done where we're explained uh, the X Men. This used to be this is made up of a couple of actual scenes that are deleted scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, for this movie, which are worth watching, um, I'm very glad they weren't included. Like uh, they needed to be cut uh, pretty badly, in- including a very specific uh, lecture that is just a microcosm of what happens in the movie. Um, <laughs> that is uh, way too on the nose. Where they're like, you know, the uh, why did the 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 Romans fall to the Christians? Uh, and it's well because the emperor became Christian, and that's exactly what Magneto is trying to do. Um, and it was it was way too you know, way too on the nose. So instead they took those scenes and turned into a montage about the school, uh, which I think is actually like pretty effective, even though it does look like something you'd get on a VHS tape in the mail to try to get you to come to the school. You know, and they, they, they returned to this and uh, did you see that preview going around for X-Men Apocalypse where they literally made like the VHS tape promoting yeah. Xavier's School of Mutants? Like that was just, that was the perfect tone for that. And then this is okay. Like this is fine as a training montage. Like you see the, the little kid shooting a basketball to himself and teleporting across to catch it. And like the other kid like, no powers, it's not fair. He just tells me that he's going to be, you know... <clears throat> It's just a tattletale. <laughs> Screw that kid. Yeah, <laughs> but I like I like seeing like anytime Jean Grey like is holding stuff up like multiple things in the air, whether it's silverware or like discus plates for Cyclops to shoot out of the air. Like I love all that stuff. So I, I like it too, even though it is the thing that makes Cyclops' fighting style so stupid. Like the fact that he just kind of stands and sometimes shoots a laser when before this had shown him like doo, 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 you know being mm-hmm. like super effective at things, and here it's like he's you know really not in the actual in action you know it would be it's one of those things where like they're trying to show rather than tell if they're trying to make the x-men inexperienced but like the it's like the actors didn't get that memo you know like they're yeah. you know they mm-hmm. act really confident and, and everything like suit up we had to work as a team you know uh when they're when they hit the hit the bricks later but like it's not uh it doesn't actually play out on the screen so just having a line where it's like you know, i'm a little bit nervous i don't know if uh like one of the things the the new movies, the first class era movies do, is they always show them in the blackboard, like sitting facing each other, seat belted in, and they always look like kind of nervous about stuff because they're kids. Uh, yeah. So then when they make stupid decisions, uh, it just makes makes total sense. And, uh, and something and that the calm. the next movie will do way better is also like that sense of having teams and having like actual strategy and tactics with these teams. Like mm-hmm. none of that exists in this movie, really. Like there's some times that they split up, but for no real good reason. But in the next movie, like there's actually times where like, okay, you two go over there and take care of objective A, and we're going to go over here and take care of objective B. And the movie does a good job of handling that back and forth. But I guess it probably took them a little while to realize, like, because <laughs> they're dealing with so much trying to explain what an X Man is, right? Yeah, so. exactly. Um, so yeah, we go through all of this stuff. I just want to call out real quick because Autumn's going to make me do it. Uh, when we watch this together for the first time, um, <laughs> there's this, there's a scene where Wolverine, excuse me, Lo, uh, Xavier takes Wolverine down into like the stables and 
people that know me know pretty much knows my wife like rides horses. She has two horses. This whole deal, and like we both like paused it and we're like, Xavier, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like there's this is like like this is an area where you're like horses are going to essentially live poop and shit and eat like that's what the horses do in the stables and you have carpeted it <laughs> what good eye on them i, I noticed that like in a thousand years like <laughs> i'm not being sarcastic it's like that is a good like to imdb like please point that out as a goof yeah, probably. I don't like. I can only get about halfway through the IMDb list, like the trivia's and the goofs and whatnot, I, until I just get bored with it. So it might be in there somewhere. But yeah, that's just the most ridiculous example of a horse stable I've ever seen. And like, <laughs> I, yeah, it's pretty nuts. <clears throat> yeah. So yeah, now we go back to Senator Kelly, who is in front of a like a kind of a rowdy crowd for just a dude getting on a helicopter, like. <laughs> <laughs> People brought out a bunch of signs of like mutants' rights, you know, don't exist or whatever. Um, and like, but he just gets on a helicopter and like flies off ostensibly to like his house or something. I'm not sure where he was going, but it's very, we very quickly realize that like something is going wrong here when uh, his assistant gets a little creepy stare going. This is pretty good. Like, I like the uh, the assistant kind of leading him in these questions, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're introduced uh, to Mystique at this point. Um, you know, and this is this is a you know one liner that works out where uh, where he says something like you know something about men like me, and where he's like, you know, people like you are the reason I was afraid to go to school as a child. You know, like this is it, it's doing a good job of selling the um, the other side, you know, yeah. selling the a sympathetic viewpoint to the bad guys. They also uh, dispose of a pretty major X Men antagonist like totally off screen, like is he supposed to, she's supposed to be Gyric. Yeah, and like and, he's and, kind of a deal. Yeah, he's been dead for he's been dead for months. I replaced him months ago. Oh well, shit. Like, yeah. uh, like okay. <laughs> Although, as we see in X Men Three, they don't mind killing people off screen at all. <laughs> not, not remotely. Yeah, the uh, it's 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 pretty pretty silly, but it's still pretty cool. Uh, Mystique, the fact that Mystique had kind of a rise of popularity in the movies, I think makes total sense to me because her power is more interesting. In mm-hmm. uh, in kind of this this medium, and it's you know, it, it's very visual, right? Like it's it's specific, yeah. very specifically visual and really impressive. Like it remains the the kind of uh, morphing thing that she does. They could have just done like a, a Michael Jackson black or white, like you know. But mm-hmm. instead of doing that, doing these kind of like these tiles flipping over uh, animation, I think is is pretty strong and it's pretty memorable. There's um, not much CGI that like holds up for me from like you know 15, 20 years ago, but like mystique's changing into other people from this movie works still to this day like it's really cool and her immediately she like jumps up and does like crazy kung fu footwork and i'm all into all of that like that just works like that all of that's so cool mystique is very awesome in this movie watching this made me realize how much i don't really like mystique in the first class movies either i don't i don't like her as like a civil rights like like freedom fighter um eventually in the comics she does kind of take that role um here as kind of i don't know i think i think she's better here as well um there's a thing there's a touch later that i think is is the best like kind of uh a- action touch they do later that i want to talk about um but here yeah I, I think she's she's much stronger um everybody you know wolverine's definitely star of the show here because when we go back to the mansion everyone's just talking about wolverine like who's this guy you know what's his story <laughs> well this is so like fucking rude by the way like wolverine like gets like they put him in an mri machine which you should not do with a guy with metal bones by the way just for mm-hmm. any future doctors out there that don't know how mris work but they put him in this weird machine take a picture of his bones walk to a different room everybody gathers and just starts talking about all of this personal medical history <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah. 
I guarantee you the Xavier School for Gifted Mutants or Gifted Children is not HIPAA compliant whatsoever. They should not be having these conversations without his express permission. And yeah, it's yeah, this whole thing was just kind of weird. But yeah. you need to know what Wolverine's backstory is. And this is what this they go through the trouble of like experimentation on mutants, his bones are laced with adamantium, the whole nine. Yeah. Yep. Which which again is useful exposition. It makes sense maybe these characters are talking about it. Um back to Magneto's lair where they've kidnapped Kelly. Um, we're going to introduce the Toad uh, here, played by uh, Darth Maul, the uh, the Darth Maul guy, um, who like is very showy. Like Toad's characterization in this movie, I'm fine that he does not, you know, that he he doesn't show up for a good long time uh, because he's he's very like showy and smartassy, <laughs> um, you know. And him him eating this this in front of Senator Kelly just like for funzos. And what's that bird doing in like Magneto's like death? What cave? is the, what is the bird there for? <laughs> it's very weird. You um, get the you get the feeling that like he just has some bird feet in his pocket, like just waiting for this moment to happen. <laughs> he just does it to, to creep out, you know, girls like putting a worm in their hair. Um, but then he, uh, this is we're introduced to like the biggest problem with this movie, which is Magneto's plot, like Magneto's plan here. So like, where did this come from? You know, like what is this technology? Where did it come from? Um, who made it who made it why wasn't it <laughs> tested why why any of this like this is yeah. so stupid. <laughs> why this all like, of this, this is so dumb big tech machine that just like alters people's dna to turn them into mutants is like would be dumb on a comic like it's it's but it, for a movie in a more grounded reality uh it makes no fucking sense and it, it's amazing the way the second one deals with like soldier programming and stuff like that it's like way more grounded in tropes that we understand stand to be associated with reality this is like a big colorful silver age comic thing in the middle of our super gritty 2000s movie uh and makes no fucking sense i hate this machine so much like there's some cool <laughs> things that happen around it like the tragedy of what happens to senator kelly and stuff i think is actually kind of good um, yeah absolutely but the uh this as a plan is just like so beneath magneto like He's smarter than this and simultaneously dumber than this because he's not a world. He's not forge, uh, but he's also, uh, you know, would not, he would know this wouldn't work and he would listen when people told him it didn't work. You know, he would test it. Like he's not going to roll the dice. And this yeah, shit. unless, you know, unless his spirit shaman told him to, and he wasn't listening or something. Exactly. Forge has yeah. problems. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know him. Like forge is not involved. Like Magneto wouldn't have rolled yeah. the dice. He would, he would test things out and just having forge be there would have been like one, a super fun cameo. And two would have explained that this was a thing. Like yeah. have forge there, have forge be like, um, you know, I'm not totally oh, this sure is... this will work. Magneto will be like, it has to work, you know, like, uh, uh yeah. purposes is, is true, you know, or something like that. And, and okay. That's characterization. And like, covers up this plot hole mm-hmm. um i like this this thing drives me nuts um and why does magneto power it like is he literally just spinning those things like is this something that like a, a truck engine could do yeah like none of this really said like magnetism to me and like why does it create and i realize and I, and I know people out there are like guys it's a comic book movie like there's a dude with claws coming out of his arm and you're arguing about this but like there's a certain level of like base realism that you can kind of get into with this stuff which is why it's so interesting like Claws coming out of somebody's hands, believable. Magneto spinning some rods and like silver spider web stuff coming out, like changing DNA. Like, how does this? None of this shit makes sense. Like, and how does it work for everybody? Everybody's DNA is a little bit like it's just it's yeah. I don't. I don't. I'm right with you. Like, I don't. At the time when I saw this back in the year 2000, I feel like we're gonna have to pay Conan O'Brien for it (laughs) in the year 2000 if we keep saying that. Um, 
But at the time, I remember thinking, like, okay, this is cool. Like, just thinking, this is fine. But, like, actually trying to critically think about it now and, like, put those pieces together. Yeah, just eye-rolling dumb. When, whenever anybody one – it's one of my least favorite arguments when somebody says something like, it's a comic book movie. Why, why would you care? Because what they're doing is they're uh, confusing uh, realism with in- internal consistency. And we're not asking for realism. We're asking for internal consistency. Like a world has been presented. Uh, things that are later presented in the world have to be in line with the world we've been presented. That's what we're asking for. Um, so yes, we're not saying like, oh, this is clearly fiction. Like, you know, but whenever somebody makes that argument, they're like, oh, it's a comic book movie. Chill out. They're calling you an idiot who doesn't understand <laughs> that difference. <laughs> and I assure you, we're not idiots about this. It is just no. internally yeah. inconsistent. Like we're That's calling really out the good. tone, yeah. not the fact that, it's like I can't believe impossible things happen in this movie. Do you mean movies aren't just like someone sitting down a camera and watching the X Men fight? You know, we know <laughs> it, it is just internal consistency. Like this, that has been a pet peeve argument of mine for like I, I did um like a sophomore or like an intermediate creative writing class in college a couple of years ago, and there was a guy uh, in the class named his name was PK. In all of his stories, he had a character that had like uh, the uh, p as the first letter and a k as the end so we'd have all these like self-insert characters that were named things like prismatic and stuff and oh wow i thought you were gonna go like paul kingley or something like no no no, no, actual initials but like okay way worse (laughs) and then that was always his argument like was if anyone would call out um something being internally inconsistent he'd be like it's fiction you just make up whatever you want and i'm like no like yes you can and still be within the umbrella of fiction but we're not the, the the purpose of this class or the purpose of looking at media is not to just see if something qualifies as fiction because that is a very low bar. It's whether it's good fiction and one element of good fiction is internal consistency. Why don't you understand? Why are you a goddamn junior in college? And you don't understand this. Um, <laughs> so, anywho. Um, so he, he zaps, zaps Kelly. Yeah. Yeah, he zaps Kelly. Kelly passes out and then the next scene we're whisked away right back into... Uh, the X-Mansion, where I guess they've assigned Jean Grey, of all people, to, like, sort Wolverine's accommodations out. Like, hey, hey, Jean, can you go get Wolverine set up in the, like, a, like labor, a spare man. room? Yeah, like, uh, women do um, a lot of emotional labor. Yep, that's true. So we um, uh, we see them kind of have a moment together. She goes to read his mind. Scott interrupts. There's this obvious love triangle forming between the three of these people that, like, anybody that knows anything about X-Men knows where it's going, uh, which can- is fucking nowhere it, it is going nowhere but they i think they actually do a good job of like kind of showing it and uh this movie does great job like kind of um we talk about cool cyclops a lot and, like how he has this reputation for being kind of milk toast and stuff i think james marsden does a great job and i think that the, this movie does a really good job of making him pretty cool like i think this exchange is good you yeah. know where like uh the deleted scene of this is the only deleted scene i wish that they hadn't deleted the extended conversation mm-hmm. here where like uh you know cyclops is like you know uh Wolverine's like, you wouldn't survive a minute in the field. And he's like, what? You've seen action? And like Wolverine gets all quiet because he's, you know, a veteran. Excuse me. And uh, Cyclops is like, oh, you don't want to talk about it with me? You know, and he's like, not with you. And like this like kind of verbal kind of back and forth. Like the don't steal my girl thing actually works for me. Like, I think this is like kind of a kind of a good, good line. And, you know, sells Cyclops pretty well. You going to tell me to stay away from me, girl? If I had to do that, she wouldn't be my girl. Well, then I guess you've got nothing to worry about, do you? Cyclops. They must just burn you up that a boy like me saved your life, huh? Gotta be careful. I might not be there next time. Oh, and Logan. 
stay away from my girl. Uh, as this. So, like, Cyclops comes off really well in this movie. It's all to make up for how terrible he comes off in three. So Yeah, yeah. The, the third movie, he's treated pretty poorly, poor Cyclops. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Wolverine goes to take a nap or goes to sleep. Uh, Rogue sneaks in his room. I guess the I guess the setup here is that like Wolverine was making some noise. Wolverine's having it's, a nightmare, so Rogue decides to mount him and shake his shoulder. <laughs> like, yeah, what is this? calm down, Suki. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's having a nightmare. It's okay. Like he's yeah. not like screaming. He's not like clawing the couch or anything like that. He's just like kind of shaking back and forth, remembering being in a Weapon X vat. Uh, this is so dumb of Rogue. Like, this makes no sense at all. And, and hey, also, just while we're talking about this, like, fuck you, Wolverine, because you have to know you do this pretty much every night. Like, oh, you totally. know you have a tortured 150 years of history. Lock your goddamn door. You're in a, you're in a school. <laughs> yeah. Like, anybody could walk in. Like, what if they have a maid? You probably didn't ask. Just, so, yeah, just say, yeah. like, hey, leave me alone when I'm sleeping. Put the, you know, like, put uh, the sock on the doorknob. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Between, between nine and five is Wolverine's time. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Wolverine after dark is that what we're going for? Exactly. Like, don't don't mess around because he's probably like he just also got pretty. You know, like he's very attracted to Jean Grey. Like, there's totally a different version of this where he's like literally cranking it. Um, it doesn't happen, but he could have been. That we see cr- uh, that we see, but he could be in like a crank trance and have stabbed. Uh, <laughs> oh God! <laughs> there's a hard and fast rule: you never wake anyone from a crank trance. No, you never wake anyone from a crank trance. <laughs> for anybody involved like you don't want that um so she he wakes up in, in a stabbing frenzy uh and this is this is actually kind of like surprisingly violent and kind of effective too like it just shit you know the first time I yeah saw this it. was this was kind of this kind of took me aback when i saw it for the first time i was yeah. like oh shit like even knowing immediately what would happen right like you yeah. kind of figured out but like him stabbing her through the chest you see her bleeding from the back she reaches out. He's kind of freaking out because at this point we don't even really explain Rogue's powers. Like the only thing that's yeah. really we've seen is the horror movie intro, and then her saying in the truck with them, "Like people touch me and get hurt." Yeah, like so she, like we think she just like drains, like hurts them. She doesn't think we take their powers. Um, they also um, a really great little bit of acting here from um, from Hugh Jackman when he starts saying "help." Like I love him yeah. being confused and helpless, uh, which doesn't happen very much. But him just kind of being really scared about what happened, like. Um, I re- re- that really worked for me. So yeah, we go uh, we go back to Senator Kelly, who's wake who woke up in a basically what looks like a prison cell and starts kind of squishing his face through these iron mm. bars, which is really weird. <clears throat> he's he's getting uh, getting liquid liquid powers, and like again, this actor's really good. He sells this kind of terror, like he he's scared of what he's become, but he's also scared of remaining here and what they're going to do to him. You know, and like really honestly, if what they're going to do to him is let him be a senator. <laughs> Uh, like change, pass, uh, pass legislation but as a mutant you know magnino definitely doesn't have like a communications major right because he could have just probably explained this like no 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 we're gonna change you but everything's gonna be okay there, there's you a really, still yeah there's a there's a really good line delivery here too i think where maybe uh this might have happened before this when magnino was talking to him but he's like you know what what have you done to me what have i become he's like you're us like he he kind of has this like lilt to it that's really good mm-hmm. um so uh, Kelly like sluices out um, <laughs> through the prison cell, like, slurps on out. Um, Sabretooth can't hold on to him. He like he slips out of his grip. Uh, so Magneto leaves him in the cage, and Sabretooth does not like that. And just real quick, like as um, Magneto and uh, or excuse me, Magneto 
and Sabretooth um, are walking to the prison cell. You get this really cool thing that I love with Magneto's powers, which apparently he's just stashed some like square disc of metal. <laughs> yeah. And then anytime he needs a bridge, he just pulls them from the closet and like makes a bridge. Otherwise, like this reminded me of the, uh, oh, what's the cell, the, the prison cells and the veil in the Game of Thrones. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a prison cell that like just is like you could just leave it open. Like you're, it seems to be like high up in the air on some sort of fucking waterfall meteor thing. I don't where know where this we? is in the world. Yeah, <laughs> where is this? <laughs> um, <laughs> the, um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like uh, he's just you know, I thought I'd install solar panels, Charles, but <laughs> it turned out to be too much work. So here they are. Shink, 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 shink. Um, yeah. So, so but yeah, gets, go ahead. This, uh, the scene as Kelly escapes is really great. Uh, this is the last scene they shot for the movie and is really horrifying. Like Kelly like washing up on the beach, you know, um, as this kind of like gilled blobby, like puffy thing and everyone just being terrified of him. Um, yeah, this whole beach freaks out and you get a lot of like really funny, like guy putting suntan lotion on his girl's back, yeah. just keep squeezing it. The kind of moments. Yeah. Of, like... <laughs> Yeah, like a guy like puts down his sunglasses at some point. It's like, whoa. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Keanu Reeves is there. This beach just got real. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so and then we go back to the Xavier. This movie moves around quite a bit. And actually, for as many like locations and stuff as we see, like it, it flows pretty well together. Like I feel like for as like, cause it's mo- a lot of it's just people talking to one another and, but it still kind of works. Like, you know, what's happening. You can kind of keep along with the story. Yeah. It's uh, coherent. Like yeah. for sure. Uh, Rogue and Bobby meet outside the school and sit on a bench together. And then Bobby, um, who we have met earlier, we kind of, we kind of glossed over that, but we did meet like Iceman and Pyro and like some other, pe- other yeah. mutants in the, in the school. And Jubilee. it's it very like, obvious that Iceman has a crush on, on Rogue all of a sudden. Yeah. It's, it's something that will play out more in the second one. Um, uh, but it's just mm-hmm. kind of a cameo. Um, but he tells her like, Oh shit, you fucked up. You used your powers on Wolverine. Xavier's pissed. Like you need to leave. He's talking about like calling the law. And I'm like, you never use your, seen your from... mutant powers on another mutant. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. rogue is like one of the people unique in that school. Who's actually seen the X-Men shoot Sabretooth. Like <laughs> she, she should know you absolutely can in time of emergency, use your mutant powers on against another mutant. <laughs> yeah. To save someone's life. Uh, but she's you know. also like a little girl. Like she's yeah. she's a high school girl. So like not totally. a little girl, but she's like a high school girl. Yeah. And then uh, she runs away, and this is like the best part of you know Magneto's plan, right? Like this is this is the second act, kind of second action scene. This movie has three action scenes, one for each act. Um, the second one is the most successful and less least stupid of them. Like this is actually planned pretty well. My, um, my only issue with this one is it didn't seem like anybody knew what Rogue's power was. So, mm-hmm. like, he, obviously, Magneto was hunting for her, like, way back at the beginning of the movie when she was in Canada. Like, why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, was he, did he build the device and then realize, oh, shit, the device is going to drain all my powers and I need a mutant that has this specific power set? Or, like, and, and then how did he know that it was rogues? Like, I, that's, that's the part that, like, his, yeah. Ugh. That's exactly what happened, but there's nothing to explain it. Like, he, he 100% just needed someone to sacrifice who would have his powers and do the thing. But, like, that's... Yeah. There's nothing to there's like a missing scene where that happened um and it's like the movie follows it doesn't need that it just becomes one of those things where if you like gloss your eyes over a little bit it makes sense and if you start thinking about it it doesn't so like dark souls 3 lore okay exactly gotcha. this is this is the dark souls 3 of x-men 1 <laughs> um yeah <laughs> sorry listeners 
I, I apologize for nothing. Um, so the use of Cerebro, we're introduced to the uh, thing, which again, one of my absolute favorite lines of this movie. We're... This certainly is a big round room. <laughs> <laughs> Like, do you think that Hugh Jackman just was the first time he saw it and that was like ad libbed? Like, oh, absolutely, right? He's like, it probably they probably made him redo it too because he said it the first time in Australia with that Australian yeah. accent. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> um, but yeah, they use Cerebro and to find Rogue who is at a train station, um, and then they send. At this point, I believe like Wolverine like wants to go by himself, or maybe that happens later. But uh, Wolverine takes off, I think, is what happens, and then oh. Xavier sends Storm and Cyclops to the train station to get Rogue. They go down to the car museum of Jay Leno. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I mean, just so many cars down there. Like, there's just so much like machinery, and I, like I know he has money, but like at a certain point, you got to pay insurance on every single one of those registration tags. Anyway. These are my X Men, and I bought this mansion from Jay Leno. <laughs> yeah, yeah. X Men and cars getting coffee. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, I forgot and about the, the car museum at the bottom of Xavier's. <laughs> it's very good. Um, <laughs> and it exists in the cartoons, right? Like, we've seen this before where Wolverine, yeah. like, cuts the top off and makes the convertible. It's the same exact spot. Like, it's, it's the same place. It's very important that the X-Men have, like, 10 to 20 classic cars. Yeah, just given around. Point. Sure. Um, so, and this is this leads into a comedy bit because Wolverine stole Cyclops' bike. Like, hot-wired. Like, Cyclops is like, where's my bike? And then it cuts to like Cyclops, like Wolverine having a good, a pretty good time on this motorcycle. Yeah. Like, he like got flips this... the nitro switch, right? <laughs> it's the, the fast and furious button. And he has this shit eating grin on his face. That's like a girl's life is explicit. stake, Logan. <laughs> yeah. I do like, cause I, I had the thought like right after this of how, uh, like how Wolverine got there so fast. And I was like, Oh duh. They just showed me that. He's literally on a nitro motorcycle. <laughs> a supersonic, super speed bike. Um, but it, him, him having that little smile on his face of like, whoa, this I can get into. I think it's, just, it's very, very funny. Um, I like how they've made the uh, motorcycle a recurring character too, because it shows up in two, like, <laughs> and there's like dialogue about it. It's very good. So yeah, they, uh, they show up. Oh, at this point, we actually go back to Mystique. Um, earlier, I don't know that we specifically called it out, but that actually Bobby, when he ran Rogue off, was actually Mystique. We see like the mm, gold glint yeah. of the eyes. Um, so now we see Mystique sneaking around in the X Mansion. She breaks into Cerebro and like injects some, I don't chloroform, like some green shit in it to poison somebody. Who, yeah, sure, yeah. Like um, he's a he's a he's a chemist as well as a super scientist. How how much better would it have been if this scene had been like reversed, where we got the Cerebro scene, and that would have explained where they got Rogue from, and then you see her poison? You know what I'm saying? Like to see that. Mm. Anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, who cares? Uh, so we see Rogue. Excuse me. We see Mystique poison Cerebro, and then we go to the train station where there's this funny little interaction between Cyclops and this kid that was apparently totally unscripted, where the kid just had a huge crush on Cyclops and could not stop himself from smiling. So I thought that was a really nice I think it's a, I think it's a great scene. I think it's really cute. Yeah. You know? Yeah, really cute. Um, and, I think and, it's, this, that scene really shows you like just how fucking bulky uh, Cyclops' classes are. Though. Like, it's like he's got a, uh, like a Viewmaster, like one of those old things strapped <laughs> to his face. Um, the, the, uh, the X-Men's plan to look for Rogue is to ask the train station <laughs> person let's let's get in our uniforms 
like yep. go go to the train station and just see like have you seen this girl like you, let your fingers do the goddamn walking dude like you could call um, imagine you know, and, like imagine the the poor dude like sitting behind the glass when white-haired white-eyed ro- uh, storm shows up <laughs> in full black leather and starts asking you about teenage girls what do you do <laughs> <laughs> like what don't you do i <laughs> you know that's so this, yeah this is so silly their plan and they get so fucking owned here for yeah. people who are supposed to be and again like the way this is like the brotherhood know how to fight the x-men apparently don't even though we've seen them train for montage um because uh the, you know the guy that we do the thing where the the ticket booth guy sees something come up be- behind storm and it's Sabretooth who grabs her neck and that's yeah, so nobody and- uh, nobody will finish anyone off in this movie like, um, this becomes a weird problem where, like, a lot of times somebody will disable somebody and then just stand there. And it keeps happening, and I don't get it. I'm not saying, like, I understand the X-Men don't kill, but they tie up or they disable or they knock out, you know, sure, and no yeah. one does that. Like, what is Sabretooth's end plan here? Like, he's just going to hold her until she can get out. Um, it's super silly. Yeah, like, he should be, like, literally crushing her windpipe. Um, but what ends up happening is Toad jumps onto the ceiling and uses his gross tongue to like rip Cyclops's visor off. And he blows a hole into the top of the train station. It's really smart. Like, like that's a good way to disable Cyclops, you know, yeah. Make uh, him close his eyes. I'm like, we gotcha. You're blind now. Um, super good. Yeah. And then, um, that, but unfortunately being exposed to the elements now, storm can call down the lightning on. Mm. I love that Sabretooth has like a really good dental plan. Yeah. <laughs> like he's got <laughs> just imagine like Sabretooth with like the growling and the black eyes like oh yeah my right left molar is kind of hurting doc yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> can you put a cap on it for me yeah. um so yeah she shoots light into his he goes flying and then uh this kind of gets jumbled up in my head a little bit um it's still so they're, they're just kind of fighting like they, that's what they yeah. did that's what they want to do is disable disable them i can't remember what happens to storm at this point um, she gets disabled somehow. Maybe like rubble falls on her or something like that. I, I don't remember because when we cut to the train, because Wolverine got there first, he got on the train with Rogue, Rogue. and mm-hmm. talks her back into coming back to the mansion. But then Magneto shows up. So Magneto very tactically disabled the other X-Men and just thinks he has to get Rogue uh, shows up. And this is a, a really cool scene uh, where he literally just peels apart the train. As yeah. he's walking there, there's a cool little bit of IMDb trivia where like Wolverine, his reaction to that is real because he thought he was just going to rip the door off. Um, <laughs> wow. At this point, okay. <laughs> and he did not know that the train was going to literally split open like a banana peel. Um, and uh, this is this is an awesome power play, like Magneto just being like, that metal doesn't go through your whole skeleton, does it? You know, like you are literally the least effective person to me of all time. <laughs> Um, and it it comes up again and again anytime wolverine goes up against magneto like it's just like what the fuck are you doing like (laughs) that is like anybody wonderful payoff in the uh the end of the grant morrison run where like magneto is at his absolute weakest and like is super you know really really distracted and wolverine finally like takes his you know is pushed too far and actually takes his shot and cuts off magneto's head like it is uh you know it's like oh if if he wasn't it's it kind of justifies all of him, Magneto kind of teasing him about that for years and years, because if he didn't, if he didn't have complete control over Wolverine, Wolverine definitely would have killed him many times over. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where we realized that Magneto was not on the hunt for Wolverine. He was actually on the hunt for Rogue, which any, I think, I don't can't imagine anybody watching this movie and not figuring that out until exactly. this point. Like, like anybody, I guess I say anybody, like maybe 13 year old Jeremy wouldn't have picked up on those, those, those clues just yet, but like literally anybody. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anybody like 
any kind of movie acknowledged knew that this little twist, quote unquote, was coming. Yeah. Um, and what follows is probably like the coolest scene in this movie. Yeah. In my mind. Yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is the thing I always I always think back to um, mm-hmm. as far as kind of big big power scenes. So we have uh, Magneto, Sabretooth, and Toad. Toad is carrying Rogue. Um, they walk outside, and a group of police force, like a police force, has gathered outside this train station full of, like, they brought cars that kind of set up in my perimeter to block. They don't know what the fuck is going on. They just know mutants are there. Yeah. Um, they draw guns on Magneto and his crew, and Magneto quickly just takes the guns away, flips them back, and then, like, floats them back up to their heads, which yeah. is... This comes up again and again in these movies, including the first class era, and like just works almost every time for me. Like it's just great. It's so frightening. It's scary as hell. Cool like power. I was in control and, and had this power, and now you took it away from me, and I'm vulnerable now. Like yeah. that's fantastic. Yep. And then just the whole, uh, you know, Magneto's wearing his helmet, which uh, Xavier can't get into. Um, I guess there is like there's an earlier thing where they say that like uh, you know help build Cerebro. So that's his invention, you know, pedigree and stuff. And he made his helmet and everything, but it's still a little bit silly. Um, so, you know, Xavier controls, you know, Toad and Sabretooth says, like, let the girl go. And this is like an extended game of chicken. You know, like, Magneto is just like, you know, come out, Charles. Why don't you come out and face me? Uh, you know, and Xavier saying it doesn't have to be like this, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, Magneto wants it more. Like, Magneto is willing to sacrifice all of these humans, you know, for this and lets the bullets fly. <laughs> Uh, or one of the one of the guns, and but catches the bullet right before it hits the cop, and it like shows it, it's like digging into his forehead. It's yeah, like, like a little tiny to... bead of blood is yeah, coming out, and it's so good. Yeah, head, not actually burst it. Uh, yeah. And he's like, you know, these people will die. You have to let me go. Uh, and then uh, they do. They like Xavier backs down, and uh, they they get away. Because I mean, Xavier's not going to let anybody die. No, like, he's just not going to. He he would rather a teenage girl be kidnapped by the hands of the worst person that he knows. Exactly. <laughs> than a cop to take a bullet in the line of duty. Well, he's, you know, t- you know, failing now in order to to succeed later. Um, I feel like Magneto is old enough at this point that like, just if Sabretooth had just like gave him a solid shot in the kidneys, he would have just crumpled. Oh, <laughs> like, totally. Like, it's like story like, over, right? Also, uh, <laughs> presumably Xavier got there with so he drove up with Jean Grey and storm and cyclops uh why like if he was going to go why didn't he go with with storm or he got there with uh gene gray after storm and cyclops if he was going to go there why didn't he just go with storm and cyclops it's not like your mind reading super telepath could be useful in finding somebody um yeah pretty, pretty silly that the most important part though, is that this that looks too. cool <laughs> yeah exactly like it just they couldn't bring it you know, they had to arrive in three phases but if they'd all work together and i guess that's part of what they're trying to learn with this last little bit but that doesn't work out perfectly anyway so so they get there uh you know wolverine has a great line where it's like i'm gonna look for you know, go find her and he's like how and he's like look you know i just i just want to call out real quick that like b- the way that magneto and company leave is that mystique lands the helicopter they stole from the fucking senate yeah. <laughs> in the middle of this field yeah. and it literally has united states of america it's like basically air helicopter one right like it's yeah. it's copter one and <laughs> lands this motherfucker in the middle of the field they pile up and then nobody bothers to follow the helicopter. Like a helicopter doesn't move extraordinarily fast, especially ones that are used to carrying senators around. Like it's, it's got magnet powers. He's, he's sure. Yeah. It with yeah. His, Maybe he's just beams. floating it with magnet powers. Yeah. Yeah. How he's, do they work? He took it in his workshop and did a couple of improvements. The off camera. <laughs> yeah. like it's got an off camera forge built this, built this helicopter. Let's yeah. <laughs> micro boost. Yeah. So we go back and then, yeah, there's that con- There's that, that scene where, 
you know, Wolverine wants to storm off and like, oh, how are you going to find her? Like, well, I'm going to do, I'm going to look. Like, mm-hmm. okay, like where? Mm-hmm. Um, also like that, like Wolverine was basically kind of, he was totally done in the fight scene and then got up, got Cyclops' bike and said, I'm going to go back to the mansion. That's where mm-hmm. I need to go right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she, he tries to leave and then Kelly is at the door and that's when we see Kelly, Senator Kelly shows back up and he's not in great shape at this point. He's yeah, kind of like melty and gooey. His body is rejecting the mutation, yeah. um, which like, I don't know. Um, there's a great little, like this is trying to have a characterization moment with Storm where he's like, you know, he's dying. He grabs her hand and like, I like this, you know, which are unpleasant. Um, and he's just, you know, do you hate us? And she's like, you know, sometimes because I fear you and they have their like, we're not so different after all. Uh, moment and then fucking kelly like melts uh, yeah just, kinda, just like, like just pu- like turns into a puddle yeah <laughs> it's so gross man can you imagine like what kind of poor like which x-man do you think it's the job of cleaning senator kelly off their sterile operation table <laughs> <laughs> cannonball get the mop we need you <laughs> i'm not vulnerable while i'm cleaning you know <laughs> um i, I had yeah. no idea what like the poor, poor sop who has to do this, but it's so gross. Um, it's it's just like, oh, this gross. was you, yeah. and now it's like, and there's no way it's like texturally and stuff. It's like pretty liquidy, but I imagine it being like KY. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like it, it kind of it looks like that consistency, right? Yeah. Like KY, like to the point where you've boiled it. Like, not yeah. that I've ever done that, but I just, I would imagine that's what it looks like. That's what um, it looks like. It's fucking gross. Before he melts, though, we, we do get the scene where, uh, Xavier actually reads his mind and determine and figures out the last part of the plot so that yeah. now Xavier knows what Magneto's doing. Um, they very quickly figure out what they have rogue for because of the power transferred. He, he's going to use rogue. He's going to sacrifice rogue so that he can make this thing happen. Um, yep. I think they even figure out that he's on Ellis Island so that we know some statue of Liberty shit at this point. Yeah. So they and know th- where to and go. Th- throughout the movie, they've been kind of hinting at this stuff by showing like, Toad spray painting like a torch green. I really, I don't, we'll, we'll get there. I'm, I'm going to save my Statue of Liberty <laughs> stuff here for a minute. But uh, we're going to get there for a lot, like for a lot of this. Like it is the, the Statue of Liberty is where we're going to be for a little while. And there's nothing, none of this is good. Yeah. Not one thing um, of it is okay. Xavier uses the, uses Cerebro to try to track down Rogue or any of these mutants, which I figure, feel like at this point he should just have implanted with some sort of GPS device. Like you just got to do that, Xavier. If you're going to run a terrorist organization, like yeah. go all in. Um, absolutely but he's poisoned he goes out Jean Grey tries to like or no Cyclops is there and is like I'll take care of all of them Charles yeah. like mm-hmm. dial it down a minute Psych just chill <laughs> out <laughs> uh, Jean runs to Cerebro to try to use it she's ne- she's never used it she's not a strong telepath Cyclops tries to stop her cannot do it um, we get this little uh, we move to this gathering at Ellis Island where we see where everyone are all the world's leaders that are going to be turned into water uh, turned into KY uh, golems yeah as and then this, the, the X-Men have this, like, group meeting with this, like, and I guess they're just, like, just making up technology at this point. But, like, this is so, like, Shire technology, Shiar technology to me. Like, this weird, like, thing that, that he can make mountain spots. You know what I'm saying? Like, the little, yeah. their little tactical planning room. Yeah. And uh, this is what I wanted to talk about, like, with the fashion don'ts of the X-Men. Like, <laughs> fucking Storm is dressed up, like, I swear to God, it's like a, it's like an 80s print of a African landscape. <laughs> like, it looks <laughs> like somebody took a giant picture of, like, a sun setting over an African field and just wrapped it on this, like, tight t-shirt and put her in it. It's ridiculous. I'll see if I can try to find a, a picture of it. <clears throat> they just had to have some way of showing that she was from Africa because Halle Berry sure as fuck wasn't going to do an accent or anything. Like, she, like Halle Berry no. can't be expected to act in this movie. So, yeah. like... 
you know, the only thing she did was demand that she uh, her eyes get CGI'd because she saw everyone else having problems <laughs> with the content. Like, oh, you mean you want yeah. me to do that thing to me? You know, I'm Halle Berry. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> yeah. you don't get to do you know who I am? Like, to play your stupid superhero movie. Like, but she, I mean, she's so fucking flat and bad in this. Yeah. Like, she, there's, there's no life to her her lines or anything. Even when she's watching him die, she looks mildly like annoyed. <laughs> more than anything when she watches kelly die like she's the worst Halle berry is the worst uh yep. actress and worst casting that we've had in this entire series i think um, so now the the x-men wolverine gets a uniform um mm, we all it's one of mine <laughs> yeah you know, well, we all be like uh, a tall like <laughs> like did we not get the yeah. scene where they force jean gray to hem it <laughs> like jean gray after i'm finding a wolverine a room can you uh hem this uniform and then maybe uh <laughs> yeah if we're gonna need you to like, give me like yeah. six grilled cheeses <clears throat> <laughs> i like how imdb is filled with um like height differences between cyclops and uh wolverine <laughs> at all times like this is what all these people seem to be concerned about is like well wolverine looks taller he's not supposed to i'm like this dude comics fans like, yeah yeah comics um um, they fly over to Ellis Allen. Um, there's a there's a, a weird bit where Cyclops asked Storm to provide them some cover. Storm just like summons a bunch of fog out of nowhere, which 100% absolutely alerts Magneto to what was going on. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, weird weather is here. I wonder what's happening. Um, but they roll up, and at this point of the movie, once once we get to Ellis Island, like, and I think you mentioned this at some point, but like boy does everybody get some one-liners like this seems like like er, they saved all of their like terrible puns and everything for this like next 10 or 15 minutes of this movie it's um i think this is this is when it's supposed to be kind of fun right like i think that's the idea is like oh this is when the movie gets fun um it's like the movie has been pretty serious at this point there are a couple of jokes the x-men can be fun but like this is when the stakes should be ramping up and not ramping down you know, and these these everyone kind of taking things not seriously doesn't contribute to that sense of escalating action at all. Um, the movie has done a, a very good job of actually kind of giving me a sense of the stakes at this point. Like, I don't want all of the world leaders to have to be melted at New York. Like, that's yeah, not going to be a great thing. I don't want Rogue to die. Stupid. You know. Yeah. But I mean, what should I, like? So this is the the epicenter of Magneto being un you know characterized in a really shitty way because like uh one uh, magneto i don't believe that he would sacrifice somebody like another mutant to do mm-hmm. this thing like th- that's that's a false premise for this character like i don't think he would do that with all of his greater good you know um we've said this a thousand times on the show about the cartoon and uh, the comic is like magneto loves mutants more than he hates humans and that's why he's not a pure supervillain you know yeah. um but uh once a little bit later i'm just gonna say it now because it, it literally happens but it's part of the big thing. It's like once somebody explains to him that this wasn't work, he would stop. You know, like this would this would have been a golden. What they do in the second one is they kind of put them together. Um, they could have done this in the first one by having like the machine out of his control at that point or something, or like yeah, he had, have him work too weak to stop it, or and trying to tell the X Men on how to stop it. Like, oh exactly. shit, I didn't realize it was going to kill everybody. Yeah, yeah, because that's that's not he's not like a you know that's not him. You know that doesn't make any sense for his characterization. And it's like they just needed to be more uncomplicated or something uh to make it palatable uh but it's really lame like his his whole thing here him sacrificing rogue doesn't make any sense to me and he's like you know yes i'm very sorry if there were any other way it's like no nah, there you you invented a <laughs> dna scrambler out of nothing like there's another way like, <laughs> yeah like i mean planet. it has to be done right now like, like are, do you have cancer know, like are you dying 
your plan A is to make this thing, put it in the torch of the Statue of Liberty and zap the world's leader at this conference. Like that's literally the first thing you came up with. Like I, if this is plan A, I don't understand. So what, what is the timeline here? Have they, cause there's a scene where we see um, Mystique piloting a boat uh, to get to Ellis Island. That's obviously like, they're bringing their cargo right like they're bringing their like device to ellis island mm-hmm. um Sabretooth like kills a guard and then there's a like, scene where toad like literally squashes a dude yeah. to death <laughs> which is really dumb Mario Thompson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he totally goomba stomps him like so if they haven't brought the device to ellis island before the party starts why are, is it dressed up like the Statue of Liberty to like, you could have just like brought it over there and done it in the middle of, you know what I'm saying? Like do yeah. it underneath the party. Like it just, none of this shit makes any sense. Whatsoever. I don't know why I think... it needs to be above them or on like the symbol. And again, like it wouldn't have been cool, but you could have had like, you know, Toad be like, why are we doing this here? And him just be like, it has to be a symbol, a symbol of us, you know, uh, uh, strength turned against them. Charles. I feel like this is just a uh, big liberty, like making sure the Statue of Liberty gets its point in the movie. Like, you know, this is like, <laughs> this is like the Statue of Liberty cartel. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, listen, it's been a long time since Ghostbusters 2. People forgot about that big old lady. Um, so they, they show up, um, you know, Wolverine puts on the uniform, as we said, blah, 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 bloop. Um, they, uh, and then they get this kind of extended fight in the halls of like the gift shop of the statue of Liberty. Yeah. Um, like the halls in the back, but like the back alleys. <laughs> so all this stuff, almost all this stuff sucks. Um, Mystique shows up as Wolverine and they get kind of separated to fight. Um, the one thing I like about this is that they look the same. Like she's dressed up, she's disguised as him. Uh, and you can see which one is which just based on their fighting style. Exactly. Like, yeah, I that's really why like I that. like this fight scene. Yeah. Um, there's mm-hmm. a great moment where he they match claws and Wolverine's cut through because they're real, and she screams because it cuts off like part of her claws. And, like, what part of Mystique is that? Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, that's her. That's her hand puppet. You've got hand puppets, front yeah. puppets, back puppets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that fight actually, I think, is very cool. Up until the part I also, where wait, real quick i just also like that she kind of kicks the shit out of him like he's like just like in berserker mode but she's actually kind of holds her own against him like oh yeah mystique doesn't have like unnatural powers like she's just a blue chick that turns into other people like but she's like trained herself to the point where she can kick wolverine's ass which i think is super cool yeah it, it, it's a good you know and she's just she's psyching him out you know mm-hmm. um super super cool eventually uh However, it's super stupid. Like everything that's cool about this whole section gets undercut because the reason he wins is because she kicks him in the balls. And don't <laughs> yeah. don't do that. Like don't call Marty McFly a chicken. Like it's it's, it's so stupid. Like okay, that's that's what does it. These other I let you buy are... with Chekhov's with Chekhov's balls earlier in this episode, but I just wanted to let you know it did not go under underappreciated. Okay. Uh, Chekhov's balls is like one of like it, number one. It's a very dangerous STD. Protect yourselves while you're out there. But also as a literary device, very 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 good. It's an effective thing. It's I, I took that. I told you I took that intermediate class. Um... <laughs> yeah, it's Chekhov with a silent P at the beginning and a silent K at the end. <laughs> <laughs> the uh these other pairings are worse though like the the toad toad versus uh everybody thing here is is yeah because magneto has taken Sabretooth, thinking like Sabretooth's is going to protect me when i'm all weak and everything yeah um, so and toad to just kind of proceeds out. to kick the rest of the team's ass like it's kind of silly and ridiculous like uh at one oh. point yeah, yeah, like he's flipping around and he kind of pushes uh, Storm, who is completely ineffectual, down a 
elevator shaft. Um, mm-hmm. There's a there's almost a neat moment where he jumps at Jean Grey and she kind of grabs him in midair and but then he spits like, goo thing. on her face. Then what? Yeah, because like, there's a full like she he jumps at her. Jean Grey, the phoenix, like paralyzes him in the air and then kind of looks around like she wants someone to tell her her line. <laughs> like yeah. it's it like three seconds of her just like, what is your end game? Like disable him. Like I understand <laughs> you don't kill, but tie him up in something. Like. Jesus that is Christ. a girl that is very used to having Xavier in her head at all times. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, oh, I don't know. Cyclops won't tell me what to do. Or Xavier, like, it, it drives, drives me up the wall. Because then he, like, hocks a loogie in her face. Which is, like, Ugh. I admit, it's, like, kind of scary. And, like, like she's suffocating, you know? Because mm-hmm. um, the, the, the brotherhood are playing for keeps. But it's such a long pause while everyone gets used to this situation of the one time she uses her powers in this movie. You know, or two times she's... It's so stupid. Um, and then the way he got rid of Cyclops was to push him in a room and close the door. And Cyclops waits like a full minute and a half before blasting his way out. Yeah. Um, it's it's it, All of this sucks. This sucks so bad. And and don't forget that during all of this, like, Toad is dancing around like he's a fucking oh my idiot. God. He's like uh, Jack Nicholson's Joker. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, he's exactly like, where does he get all those wonderful toys? Like, he's that dude to it, like, spinning around with, like, a metal bar as a staff. Like, it's just kind of ridiculous. It's like somebody told him that this was the Toad movie. <laughs> you know? Yeah, this poor bastard. <laughs> he's just like, oh, everyone's going to want to buy me action figures, you know? <laughs> oh. I be action figures uh, uh, but Storm comes back up the elevator and uh, this is where the famous terrible line about what happens to a toad not, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, not to I don't want to let this movie off the hook not yet because mm-hmm. oh. she, he kicks her and beats her up like down the hall first right this happens like yeah. he, he beats mm-hmm. the crap out of her where she just does nothing but back up with her arms up or is that before the elevator shaft like the fight before this she does she makes no attempt to do anything yeah, that was before. Okay. That was how she gets kicked into, and then she like floats up, um, and then like, yeah, I have powers. Like, yeah, like duh, I should be able to use. And does this thing where, uh, like, this is just exactly what she did at the very beginning of the movie with Sabretooth, where she just makes air move a certain direction, and like yeah. Toad is like, oh no, it's real windy all of a sudden, guys. <laughs> Whoa, it's windy on top of the Statue of Liberty up in the air. But the, the first part where he's like just kicking her, and she's just like. I don't know what to do. Like she's looking around for someone to tell her her line. Like <laughs> nobody knows how to react to being punched. And like, I'm not an X-Man. I, if I get punched, I'm going to run or fight back or like do something. You know, I'm not just going to back away until like just keep getting kicked in the face by a martial artist. Like I'm going to use my God given second amendment. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's, it's fucking the fucking statue doctrine. Like these people yeah. invade me. <laughs> Shoot him in the face. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna bow and heal and let you buff. It's, <laughs> I'm gonna kick your ass. It's, uh, I was I was playing um Dark Souls for uh for the show to refresh for recording tomorrow, and uh I was fighting Lothric, and Brayton was like, "Why is your character just watching this cutscene where he comes down and heals him?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's that's a pretty good point. Like, you should probably go up and backstab this guy, right? Like, sure, this is yeah." Dumb. Um, <laughs> That's but, a, that, but, that's storm to a T of like why don't you ever use your powers like in a nor- in a normal way? She and, thinks um, it's a cutscene, like and yeah, it's not. Like, and this um, whole thing where she starts blowing wind and like again, oh my god, it's windy! Like it's it just like Toad is like, oh man, there's some like there's some Chotsky's flying at my face. What am I gonna do? Eventually, she blows them out the window, but it like takes twenty seven minutes. Uh, oh, and and then, then she does the, the lightning line. 
Yeah, he grabs the rail with his tongue, and then she fries the the, the tongue. And he, I love in the in the IMDb. By the way, did you see mm-hmm. the uh, would Toad have survived? And like, forget that he's actually in the second and third movie. But like, someone was like, well, if we assume a height of forty seven point six two feet, he and he's fallen at nine point eight two meters per second, yeah. then. There, but you also have to consider that Toad is a mutant, and he could have like hardened conditioning. And he can maybe survive that longer. And I was like, dude, he's in X-Men too. Like, <laughs> you can just look at the next movie. It's, it's a really long paragraph. Um, it's a really long paragraph. It's definitely um, written by, by Ray Park. Like, the, the guy sure. who, who played Toad definitely wrote that response, <laughs> trying to convince the people to let him into the second movie. Um, <laughs> that was a letter drafted to Brian Singer, just with the front and the back. <laughs> um, Here's the reason, I think. The, uh, so the Toad Struck by Lightning line, the kind of uh, – so this is one of the two lines that was survived from the Joss Whedon cut. And uh, there are various defenses for it. The one that actually makes sense is that they cut out a lot of Toad's dialogue that contextualize it, where, like, Toad says stuff like, do you know what happens when a Toad does this and, like, presents a bunch of Toad facts, I guess? Sure. Um, you know, and then she says – then she brings up uh, what happens if a Toad is struck by lightning. But um, it's a bad line. There's nothing that redeems it. But it's also just Halle Berry's like super flat delivery, you know. Like, and and to be fair to her, like she didn't hasn't gotten very much cool stuff to do in this movie. Um, and the movies don't are never treat Storm very well. Like she never gets anything really cool to do. Yeah. Um, so like I could see her just kind of like, okay, this is my cool one line. You know, I get to uh, interact with this this tennis ball on a stick that's going to represent the CGI toad when this happens i I need to look really angry at this tennis ball um but the it's it's a terrible line like it is it is one of the worst lines in cinema for for you know uh reasonable like it is it is that it deserves that i would i would pay a a not small amount of money to be able to ask halle berry where storm is from like in 2016 like where do you think storm is from like i guarantee you she's gonna say like new jersey like she has she has no idea (laughs) she has no clue i don't think she read any of the like you don't have to read the comics you're an actress i don't care like i'm not trying to say like you didn't you didn't abide by the character like i'm not trying to be that guy but like just just like a little gravitas <laughs> it just it, she just doesn't give a shit and it like comes through and in that's, her performance yeah. which like that's the mm-hmm. problem it's it doesn't matter what she actually knows or cares about it's just whether it comes through you know yeah. um so this removes toad from the equation um so all we really have left with is mystique uh at this point I believe this is the point where you get your second line right like this is where yeah. Wolverine rolls back up uh Cyclops has woken up from his nap and has saved Jean Grey by shooting the um, goo off her face so she can breathe again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wolverine shows up and he's like, and you know, Cyclops is like, how do I know it's you? And Wolverine's like, you're a dick. And Cyclops is yeah. like, okay, yeah, that's fine. And I'm yeah. like, sure. Yep. I, I mean, like, maybe with that conversation you were talking about with the deleted scene with like the extended back and forth, that would have made a little bit more sense. But as of now, like, there's been like a weird resentment thing, like one of those like instant distrust thing, but I don't really feel like they've gotten to the level of name calling that that would deserve to be able to say that. Oh yeah. That's our secret code word is when we call each other motherfucker. Like I don't yeah. think that that <laughs> that's works. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, yeah. I, I mean this, I buy this a little bit better, you know, but it, mm-hmm. it, it does feel like it's from a different movie. Um, sure. Yeah. You know, and it, it like, it's so hackneyed for them to literally do the, which one do I shoot? You know, yeah. thing like that's yeah. like such a, such a, bad Saturday morning cartoon thing. Um, Actually, I think I got a little, a little ahead of myself because right after Rogue zaps Toad, that's when we see Wolverine just standing there sniffing the air and Rogue shows up and he turns around and sta- or, oh, yeah. Storm. 
Storm yeah. rolls up behind him and is like, we got to join up the team. And he's like, there's only one problem. You're not in the team and stabs Stand. her in the stomach. Yeah. 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 Um, so then he joins up with Jean Grey and everybody kind of comes together again. Yeah. The um, So uh, they get together again for this really, really stupid finale of them getting Magneto just wipes the floor with them. Cause like, what's the even point of the rest of the brotherhood of evil mutants, you know, like it's fucking Magneto. Um, <laughs> it's really a situation of like Trump and all of his hanger ons, right? Like yeah. Magneto yeah. is Trump and everyone else is just trying to get a dollar off of, out of his pocket. Like that's exactly. cause he could just be, do this by himself. You know, so, so Magneto straps them all into the Gravitron, um, you know, on the wall with big metal <laughs> bars, like miscellaneous bars, uh, that they have in this, like, uh, thing and he takes off leaving Sabretooth to kind of watch them um and so one like you're magneto like just throw them into the water or something like that but like two you know the competence of magneto over the rest of these guys is just unreasonable um he takes uh takes cyclops's uh visor off um gives it know. to Sabretooth, which is not a great idea no and gene gray <laughs> why would you like, give that dude anything he, he apparently knows everything about how rogue's powers work but know nothing about gene gray and gene gray does not use telekinesis to do anything here like yeah you know i don't know take his helmet so when professor xavier shows up he can fix it or you can because you are a telepath too um you know like or gene literally gray just is... trip him when he's walking and give him a, give him a concussion yeah exactly <laughs> like fall out of the the statue like gene gray is the ultimate magneto counter because she can take off his helmet and zap his brain that's all yeah. it takes for magneto um so this is this is real stupid this is trying to teach us the x-men learning teamwork um because they yeah. all have to work together like wolverine cuts himself loose uh to to distract Sabretooth or what have you uh mm-hmm. until eventually uh you know while Sabretooth is distracted gene gray puts the visor there to angle his blast into zapping Sabretooth. Yeah. And that's how uh, he finally well, rid of Sabretooth. Um, no problem. Well, the whole thing was like, he gave it to Sabretooth and then Wolverine and Sabretooth have this extended fight sequence where you think like, like even when watching it this time, I was like, why is Wolverine like so focused on Sabretooth right now? And it's really like Wolverine is just literally trying to get the, the visor back into that room so that we can, we can do this scene. And, yeah. um, there's that really, at the time I thought it was super cool thing where Sabretooth throws Wolverine and Wolverine reaches out with his claws that literally cut oh, through everything. It does his <laughs> and Spider-Man force. And, and does the little flip. Yeah. 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 And it, yeah, that's, oh boy, that does not hold up that's very well. Um, yeah. So that, that's how they're, they're, they're getting free of, of Sabretooth. Um, we, we switch to the actual, you know, the device with Rogue uh, as Magneto makes her, you know, straps her into the thing. She's got his powers. She's starting to do the thing. Um, and they're like trying to shoot, you know, they're like, when do I shoot? Oh, I'll hit her. I don't have a shot. This is such false tension. Um, this whole <laughs> section with like Cyclops being like, I've got a shot. And then Jean saying, wait, what is he waiting for? Like literally like what's going to change that is going to make this better. You know, cause like Wolverine gets up there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, so Wolverine gets up there. They shoot him up there with telekinesis um, and he like distracts Magneto, but he's still just stuck to the wall. So there's nothing that like Cyclops is waiting for before he shoots. And eventually it's, it, he just shoots when he finds a shot. Like there's no, nothing changes between his shoot and non-shoot kind of states. The, what the first thing that they say is like, I should shoot the thing. And then Cyclops, no, Wolverine says, just shoot the thing. And Cyclops is like, no, if I, if I hit it, it'll shred and it might kill her. The very first thing that Wolverine does when he gets over there is try to shred the thing. <laughs> like, it was literally like, it was like, oh wait, Cyclops said shred the thing, didn't he? Yeah, that sounds right. Like, <laughs> 
Um, you get that Arrested Development like flashback of not pictured. Like it's exactly. like just, just the, yeah. Uh, and then you get this scene where Magneto is like holding his claws in midair, and um, finally Cyclops shoots Magneto, and Magneto goes falling. Wolverine shreds this thing, and like Rogue is sitting there. Um, meanwhile, like the the gooey spider web mutant DNA changing thing has been kind of growing slowly out, creeping. Of, slowly creeping yeah. out. The heads of state have disappeared. They all ran away, and I'm sure like there's going to be some serious fallout in, in the fallout in the, fallout, in, the, in the paper tomorrow about that. Yeah, you're going to um, get like the janitor who stayed behind to pick up cups. Yeah, like what if the power of he was a mutant? Uh, <laughs> so Rogue is dead, but we know how to bring Rogue back to life. It's no big deal. Yep, um, that's all right. That was like a like a quarter second worth of tension right there. Thanks. Yep. Um, this is how she gets her stripe though from 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 almost dying. And uh, here's the thing, right? Uh, Mystique comes back as Senator Kelly, um, right? Like this is yeah. I, this this happens. There's a little bit of like waking up everybody, you know, doing their things. Yeah. But I, just to bring this up is that like, why wasn't that a better plan in the absolute first place? Like if it if, seems like instead you can get of so much Gyrick, more done, yeah, yeah. Like, or how about the president? Sure, um, you know, how yeah. about anybody you want? Like if you if you have the power to replace anybody in the you know rather than turning them into a mutant, like literally just take control of people and say make them say the things that you want them to say. Well, especially it's, because like it'd be very easy to take over somebody close to the president. Um, act exactly like them because you know you're pretty much just sitting there waiting for the president to interact with you. Learn how the president is and, and how mm-hmm. he handles himself, and then take like that's the whole that's shape-shifting 101. I shouldn't have to tell you this, Mystique. You've had this power for 20 yeah. years. I shouldn't be explaining this, this to you. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, were you asleep when they taught the Cree the Cree scrawl war in school? Well, you know, actually, uh, maybe I take it back. Maybe in this case, Mystique actually should have gone to Xavier School of Gifted Mutants, where she would have learned shape shifting one hundred and one. So, <laughs> so maybe, maybe Xavier's actually doing it right. I'll, I'll, you know, hey, yeah, Magneto doesn't understand how to, you know, how to teach. Um, but the, the, you know, it's it's so like you know, and they they see on TV and they're just like, well, this ain't over yet. And it's like, okay, like that's it's fine. It's kind of a cool idea that Mystique survived. She had to survive for the the sequels and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it is just, it's dumb that they just didn't do that in the first place rather than the big DNA blaster 2000 thing. Yep. And then so everybody pretty much just wakes up and is okay. Um, And we get some kind of epilogue stuff where Xavier is explaining to Wolverine that, hey, like, I've looked in your brain and you remembered Alkali Lake. You might want to go explore it. And Mm -hmm. so that's, I mean, pretty much like a giant Weapon X symbol right there. Steal my son's Um, uh, Cyclops cycle. (laughs) Motorcycle Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so he takes off to do that. Uh, we see the Kelly on the news. Um, as he's leaving, Wolverine gives Rogue his dog tags because he's literally like a high school boy who doesn't know how to let go of girls. <laughs> yep. Hold on to this. I'll be back for it. Like, no, dude, why don't you just keep your gross ass dog tags? <laughs> how much, much blood is on this? Yeah, S- Sabretooth had these in his mouth earlier tonight. <laughs> I don't want to touch these. Yeah. Uh, and that's really about it. I think we, oh, I guess we do see the uh, Magneto and Xavier in Magneto's like all plastic prison playing chess with each other. And there's mm-hmm. like this, you know, debate thing of why do you even do this and all that stuff, which is good. Like anytime these two guys interact as these two characters, I'm I'm 100% absorbed. Like it's it's all good stuff. I like it. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Like this, the chess scene's really, really good. I like Magneto's plastic prison and it's a, you know, it, it pays off fantastically in the second movie. I'm mm-hmm. um, really good. And then, and then the movie just kind of ends like, uh, you know, it's, there turns out to be a sequel. 
Um, you know, they're kind of setting it up for a sequel, but I don't know how confident they were, you know, so they don't, uh, it, it tells a complete story. It's not cliffing or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and like the, the universe, you know, like it sets up is good. Like this is a, a good, you know, a, a movie I want to spend more time in um, or a universe. And like the movie itself on a whole, I think is pretty decent. It's just the last third of it. That is stupid yeah. as hell. Yeah. It, it's, it, it just, it kind of just falls apart at the end. And like th- that happens a lot with these superhero movies where they get everybody together and then like, uh, what do we do now? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like the the default action of like superheroes have to show off their powers, and most superhero powers are you know have to do with fighting each other. So the only thing they can ever do is fight. And mm-hmm. you know, I would watch a superhero movie where nobody did anything but like debate like they were the UN, right? Like, and just do like random shit with their superhero powers on the side. But that that's just never going to happen. Like, they're gonna have yeah. to have these big bombastic fight scenes. They're gonna have to smash the action figures together at some point and. Yeah, and there are it, ways to do it's it. okay. You know, yeah. like two two does does it everything. This one does better. You know, yeah. it's it's one of the few like straight upgrades, and it's also one of the best you know superhero movies. We'll we'll talk about it in between season two and three of the cartoon. But um, holy shit! Like the fact that the first movie was made and was good was like a mind blowing experience. And then um, you know, three years later, you get X Men two, and it's just fucking phenomenal <laughs> like yeah. it's literally that upgrade meme from 2016 or if someone hitting a button like it's crazy how much better it is and how how much how much it holds up it's more um it's almost you know it's it's a contender for the my favorite superhero movie like it's fantastic like it is it is you know avengers level good i think oh absolutely um, yeah and without so. some of the like like the MacGuffins in x-men 2 are kind of way better than a lot of the MacGuffins that we see in other plate and other of those movies. So I'm, I'm very excited to cover it for the show. Yeah. 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 I mean, and we, we don't like, let's not commit to doing that between seasons uh, one and two. I think we could it probably like, we'll do the movies in order, but I, I just desperately want to hit that generation X movie at some point. So like, it is, uh, <laughs> um, you know, just that generation X thing. Cause uh, Dr. Static and Slack posted it the other day. And like, I just watched the first five minutes and like, I don't know who was who I didn't, I didn't get that far into it, but like there's a lady doctor whose power is apparently the same as storms where she just makes a bunch of wind go to a certain direction <laughs> and just like knocks these two guys down a bit and like runs away. It's like, it. what? Yeah. Into, into it. it into yeah. I, I, I did say between season two and three, none of those plans have been firmed up yet. Yeah. yeah. So don't, don't, don't listen to me at all on this, on the yeah. schedule. just, we'll do, yeah. we'll do whatever we want. We'll do whatever we want. Follow the, follow the Twitter that we made at DOFC podcast on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you. Uh, you know, thanks you guys for listening. If you like uh, the show, we're going we're coming back. The next episode uh, is actually going to be a like Q and a letters responses episode. Um, we're gonna do those between seasons as well. So we're kind of setting up this rhythm of four to five episodes per season of the cartoon, um, a movie, and then a responses episode. So kind of mm-hmm. in six issue burst, um, the uh, like a trade paperback. Yeah. So the next Excellent. episode will be a response episode. Um, after that, we're gonna be hitting the ground running with season two, which opens with Mister Sinister and the Nasty Boys, and I'm so excited to get into the Nasty Boys, <laughs> which are some say inarguably the greatest X Men villains. <laughs> Uh, gorgeous George, absolutely. Tar Pit. Um, <laughs> the, the other, the straw guy. Oh um, man, this is gonna be so good. I cannot there, there's wait. two like there's two just strong like beast guys mm-hmm. in uh in that. Um, one of them his power involves like smelling bad. I want to say. Uh, sure. So, yeah. Yep. Looking forward to that. So. Mm. 
I like yeah. how that they're in this universe are connected. Absolutely, be dumb mutant powers because that would be my luck. Would be like, oh, you're a mutant. Oh, are you X Man? No, no, I just look like a I look like a deformed bird. Yeah, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's my jam. What do you do? Yeah. Um, that um, arc with that where he gets uh, her pregnant, and they have those nightmare babies is so good. Like, keep oh, it's so great. like yeah. Grant Morrison's yeah. X Men is my favorite X Men. Um, yeah, so if you like the show, um, ratings and reviews are very important uh, early on in a yes. show's lifespan. Um, so mm-hmm. we've gotten several very lovely reviews. I really do appreciate it. Uh, but more of those is always good. And uh, the way you can directly support the show, the reason why we have this show is uh, our the DuckFeed Patreon. If you go to patreon.com forward slash DuckFeedTV, um, just giving a little bit of money makes a big difference. But take a look at those rewards, see if there's anything that suits your fancy. And uh, we will uh, we will really appreciate it if you're able to help. Sure. And if you want to chat on uh, X-Men with us on the internet, Gary is at Gary Ba on Twitter, mm-hmm. G-A-R-Y-B-U-H. I am at JG Greer on Twitter, and I will talk to anybody about X-Men at any time. So please, please let me know. Please. Um, and we'll talk to you on the Slack. If you do join our uh, Patreon, we have a Slack channel to talk about yep. the show. Um, so that is, uh, has been a fun place for lively X-Chat. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Thanks so, for listening. We appreciate it, and we will see you in the next episode. See you in two weeks. Bye.